co-host for the next how many fucking long minutes this is, I don't know because I haven't recorded it yet, it's me, it's Howard, I'm back. Welcome to Talking Bollocks. Yes, it is time to talk bollocks once again. It's time to listen to me fall apart mentally, not know what's going on, and basically fuck about for how many ever minutes or hours this is going to go. So, hello, welcome, if it's your first time listening. Fuck off, go listen to something else, you're not going to enjoy this, seriously, this is just a mess, this is my ego running rampant, um, or as what one iTunes review called it, what was, um, uh, fun times with self-aware egomaniac, <laughs> very good, you cunt, um, so there you go, and there's the, there's the first, um, C word, that be cunt, cunt word, of the podcast, that's three, get in! Yes, we're racking up the swearing already because it is big and it is clever. Well, mine is. So, uh, so there you go. Anyway, uh, welcome, welcome, um, uh, fellow bollockers. Thank you very much because I do consider you fellow bollockers. It's not just me. It's like you know we're all in this together. It might be my podcast, but if it wasn't for you lot, I'd have packed up doing this a lot, a long time ago. So it's your fucking fault, basically. Right? So, here we go. It's time for the intro. My name's Howard Smith. I... Oh, sorry. H. Smith. Howard H. Smith. I front Acid Rain rebooted UK thrash band. We are on acidrain.co.uk, at acidrainukac, um, on Twitter, acidrainukac, on Instagram, and uh, Acid Rain Thrash on Facebook. Then there's my stand-up character, Keith Platt. You can find me at Keith Platt on Twitter, keithplatt.co.uk, Keith Platt on Facebook. Um, and then there is Talking Bollocks. You're right here, right now. For some reason, if you are not already subscribed, what the fuck are you playing at? Seriously? Just get yourself subscribed. Although I have to say, I did download. I got, just got a new phone, and um, I'm, I'm gone onto Android for the first time ever, um, and that's a bit weird. So um, it's not. It's perfectly normal. It's me. It's, it's actually me. That's weird for not having been on there already. But anyway, yeah. First app, first podcast app I downloaded. Being the self-aware egomaniac I am, first podcast I went looking for was for talking bollocks. Obviously, come on. Really? If you had a podcast and you got a podcast app, wouldn't your podcast be the first thing you look for? I thought so. It's just normal. So anyway, uh, look for it. Couldn't find it. Hmm, not good. So anyway, never mind. Craig all about the rocks, going to get a kicking for that. <laughs> not really, but there you go. Um, so yeah, please subscribe and remember, remember, not the 5th of November, remember to download these podcasts via Wi-Fi. They're big, chunky fuckers, right? Now, and also, can we please spread the word to people when they go, oh, but they're three hours long? Yeah, no one said you had to sit down for three hours and listen to them. I fucking don't. I'm sure many of you don't. You listen to them. It's, it's three hours across a month, for fuck's sake. It's less than an hour a week. Just break it down into bite-sized pieces, yeah? And make sure you've got, a, that was a bit Graham Taylor there, bite-sized pieces, that's um, a very old reference to a film called uh, Do I Not Like That that Graham Taylor made, the old ex-English manager, years ago. And um, uh, I can quote I can quote it to death, basically. But anyway, um, set pieces. Do you see that, Des de Barnsley? Sorry, I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm going off it there. Hey, that's another human being you're talking about. Sorry, I'm, I'll stop it. Anyway, right. God, if you are listening to this for the first time, you, you are probably thinking, that was good advice he gave me. I'm fucking off. Um... 
So anyway, that's all the shit. That's all the that's all the the, the top end stuff out of the way. Um, so um, what's been happening in the world of metal this month? I don't know, Howard. What? Well, um, first up, I've got a big thank you to Joel at Music for Nations and to Liam at Universal for sending me um, massive packages of vinyl. Um, that is fucking awesome. Thank you so much for that. Really appreciate it. Um, I I now I, I already have like forty odd albums, and um, I've uh, I've actually had the um, I've actually had the turntable about a month, if that. So that's fucking awesome. Thank you very much, guys. Um, I've also had a birthday for those of you that uh, that weren't aware. Yes, um, I, uh, I had a birthday last week. So happy birthday to me. Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday to me. What a cunt. Happy birthday to me. Um, yeah, and um, I got some wicked presents. But one that I got, which was just fucking awesome, is... Um, I don't know if any of you aware of the cartoon Modern Toss. Um, yeah, this has got nothing to do with metal, by the way. So uh, pin your lug oils back. Um... There's a book called Modern Toss, A Decade in the Shit House. For those of you that know Modern Toss, you will know what I mean. Um, it's fucking brilliant, but I've got, I've got to read you this because it just cracked me up. Um, this is, it's a poem right at the back and it's called The Matchstick. Little strip of wood, yeah? When under, one end of you caked in phosphorus shit? Sitting still as fuck in a box? 24-7? 365? Waiting for the day? To get your tip scraped against the box you live in till your head explodes. That's life, mate. Don't come running to me. <laughs> Fucking brilliant. I d- I, that wasn't a very good reading, to be fair. Um, but if you even think that's vaguely amusing, you've got to check out Modern Toss, man. It's fucking awesome. So, uh, so yeah, happy birthday to me. Um, very cool. Went up north. Um, uh, had just ended up sat outside a pub in just absolutely incredible sunshine um it was just unbelievable and um and yeah that was fucking just brilliant had a really good time um and um yeah i well, so anyway yeah you, you don't give a shit do you that was that was my birthday fuck it um well uh, uh, one of the book i, I bought uh, got myself a birthday present okay and uh, myself obviously um, and uh, I cannot recommend it highly enough. Live at the Brixton Academy, A Riotous Life in the Music Business, Simon Parks. By Simon Parks, who basically um, turned in the early 80s, aged just 23, Simon Parks bought the Brixton Academy. Over the next 15 years, he turned it into Britain's most iconic music venue. Now he's telling his story. It's, it, it's fucking great. I'm only halfway through it. I've actually, I'm actually on 180 pages um, of... Uh, yeah, about four hundred. How many? Four hundred and sixteen. So, uh, it, but it's it's fantastic. Now, I appreciate I do live in London. I've been to the academy a lot, so it it might mean more to me than it would to somebody outside London who's not been to the academy. And I've even been lucky enough to play it um, once with suicidal tendencies. As regular listeners, listeners will be fucking sick of hearing. Um, but yeah, I honestly, as a, as a warts and all, interesting book. It's it's amazing because. You just you couldn't imagine what he's been through, and at the time we bought the venue, um, you know, Brixton was, you know, it was fresh after the riots, and um, I mean, he was fucking mental, and everybody thought so, and everybody told him so, and nobody thought it was ever going to be anything. No one thought it was going to be a venue, that's for sure. That, that would ever that would last for more than five minutes. So um, yeah, really, really fascinating stuff. Um, so I can I can highly recommend that. I really can. Really, really good read. Um, 
I got my new phone, struggling to open it at the moment so I can have a look at my notes. Oh, right, yes. My old mate, Jordan Rudess, um, of, um, uh, of Dream Theatre. He who seems to think he's R2 fucking D2 with his musical tributes. I haven't even been online since Prince died, so I would imagine he's going to have another fucking musical p- tribute. If you don't know what that is, what I mean by that is basically every time someone dies or there's a big, you know, like there was the Paris attack, something like that, Jordan Rudess of uh, Dream Theatre seems to think the appropriate thing is to play a little tune on his piano because he's so fucking emotionally repressed. So anyway, um, he's, um, he's announced Ultimate Keyboard Camp Experienced Key Fest. Hey, how shit does that sound? Keyfest, the ultimate keyboard experience. The kind of gig where you're going to bump into Rick Wakeman. That's when you know you're in the wrong fucking place. Jesus Christ. Keyfest, it's just the name itself is fucking shit. Actually, while I was up home up, up north, my hometown is having a, a festival in the summer called Fake Fest. Right? Three tribute bands. They're just putting it right out there. Fake Fest. This is a fake festival with fake bands. How how shit is that? How fucking... Oh, it just boils my piss. I, I mean... Oh, God, I mean, don't get me wrong. Cookie, guitarist in Acid Rain, is also in a, um, a Sabbath tribute band. But fucking hell, come on, guys. At least he's in fucking Acid Rain as well. And, you know, he's, he's... I mean, for fuck's sake. Honestly, fucking fake fest my fucking ass. Um... That's really fucking pissed me off. But even Fake Fest has got to be better than fucking Jordan Rudess's Key Fest. What the fuck do you do at Key Fest apart from stand around going, ooh, nice keyboards, and then playing them? I mean, what do you do? Do you dance? Do you headbang? Do you fucking stage dive? I mean, is it just people playing keyboards for a fucking weekend? Tell us, Jordan. Tell us in song. Tell us, tell us on your piano how it goes, you fucking cunt. Hey, um, uh, what else been going on? Uh, the new Deftones album, Gore, got that. Um, busily trying to work out if it's genius or shit, um, as that is the usual. That's the usual process with any new Deftones album. Right, is this fucking brilliant or is it shit? I'm not quite sure. It's really weird, you know. I, I, I listen to the Deftones and, and Chino as a vocalist. He does. He, he does get away with some fairly shit vocals at times. Don't get me wrong. I mean, he's a, he, you know he's he's a trailblazer, and I mean, well, trailblazer. I don't know about that because just nobody's nobody's blazed his trail because he is who he is, and no one can do what he does other than him. Really, I think if, if you think about it, he's, he's like a fucking metal Morrissey, really. Um, brackets not a cunt like Morrissey. Um, but yeah, he's, he, that's how he kind of strikes me, is just that kind of, uh, 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 sort of wailing, but he, but he gets away with it. He's like, he's like anti-Phil Anselmo. Um, fucking hell, I'm, I'm, I'm rattling off the fucking comparisons here, aren't I? Good work, Howard, good work. It's almost like I'd thought this out. I, I hadn't, by the way, but, um, you know, that's, that's why you listen, to see what my fucking spark plug of a brain, see what the final synapse is before I keel over. Uh, are doing this month if you can just imagine the uh, BBC and Butler cartoon with the uh, the idea light bulb just kind of flickering on and off that's that's pretty much my brain um, 
But uh, yeah, anyway, um, upshot so far, I don't know. Still listening. Um, it's got some great parts. Um, one thing's for sure, the dude, and I, I should have looked it up again, but the dude who plays guitar in Deftones, I mean, he is responsible for some fucking awesome fucking riffs. Awesome riffs. I don't think he really gets the... Um, I don't think he gets the fucking um, uh, props that he deserves at all. It pisses me off. Pisses me right off. Now, some of you noticed. Some of you may notice there was a little. Uh, there was a little gap there. Um, that's because I, I, as you guys know, no, I don't edit. So I just wanted you to know that I just actually paused because I just realised that um, I hadn't switched my washing machine on. <laughs> There's like, yeah, I know. Rock and roll, yeah. And put my washing machine on, so I paused the recording, so I could wash my clothes, yeah. You can't get much more metal than a fucking washing machine, yeah. James Hetfield just popping in there to uh, sing a little song about the uh, washing machine. And um, that leads us nicely into the fact that, um, yes, Ted Nugent, and I quote, um, me and Prince were uh, were a lot the same. We're, we're, it's something along those lines, to be honest. That was the gist. I ain't gonna fucking even credit the guy with actually whatever his bonehead fucking quote was. But Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's right. That's right, Ted. You and Prince, very, very similar. In your fucking head, maybe, you redneck hunting cunt. I don't mind the hunting. Couldn't give a shit, really. But fuck me. Seriously, the Donald Trump, the Donald Trump of metal, reckons he was a bit like Prince. Well, as you had a fucking head, arms and legs, and a torso. Other than that, fucking not at all similar whatsoever. Fuck, what a dick. Anyway, um, so that was that. <laughs> that was a um, that was a handy detour with the uh, the washing machine song. Um, this and other songs like the um, the song at the end of. Um, uh, last month's podcast I think I'm going to put all of these songs will be available soon on a compilation album called Howard H. Smith Loses the Fucking Plot and um, there's probably going to be a double album so uh, look out for that which would now be available on vinyl as well um, anyway <laughs> um, what else has been happening oh well look I, I don't always stick to metal um, haven't in this episode but one thing I felt that I really did want to comment on um, and again this is my this is my point about um, you know, people trying to post stuff and get me to rant about it. Um, a guy is suing Kanye West and Tidal, which is the big um, streaming service of which he's a partner. Him and fucking Beyonce, Jay Z, uh, Nobed from Coldplay—they're all in it. Basically, they all fucking stood up and announced that they were launching this company. Fucking stood there like the Avengers. Um, as as uh, as Noel Gallagher said, why don't you just fuck off and write a song? You could fucking do with one. Um, and uh, they're getting sued because Kanye West, right? Um, before the album came out, basically Kanye West said the only way to get his album is on Tidal. Absolutely the only way, including tweets say my album will never ever ever be available on Spotify. Spotify? <laughs> yeah, anyway. So, or Spotify or Apple Music, it, um, it won't be available anywhere for free. Well, guess what? It came out, everybody paid free on Tidal, and oh, it's ended up on Apple Music and Spotify for free. So he's getting fucking sued. And, I, and so are Tidal. And I think fucking too right. 
Absolutely, that's absolute bullshit. The thing is, he's getting—they're all getting sued for about ten million. It's fucking great. Anyway, I—I ju- just wanted to. Uh, and if you want to hunt that story down and follow it, please do because I am, and it is fucking great. It really is because he's banged to fucking rights. The fucking dick. He's absolutely banged to rights. It's right there on his Twitter feed. Oh, never, never. I mean, literally, like you know, four or five nevers. Never gonna be. On Apple Music, never going to be on Spotify. Well, fuck you, you dickhead. Uh, so, what else is? Uh, oh, um, also, is, a, is taking straight away the other end of the musical spe- uh, spectrum. If uh, any of you haven't had a chance yet, check out "Stranded." That is the new track from the upcoming Gajira album. Fucking hell, Gajira, a band that I always really, really want to like. I've I've got the last three albums and I've not managed to actually be able to really get into into any one of them um, because it is it is really dense. That's the only way I can describe it. It's very dense. It's like less commercial voivod. Um, no, it, it's not. It's just it is really sometimes I just find it. I've found it impenetrable. Um, the odd song I really like, um, but I just I've never managed to deal with the album. But anyway, so I'll probably be down that way again. But. I have to say, the new track, Stranded, is absolutely excellent. Um, I mean, the video is the usual art house wank that you expect from um, from a bunch of French guys. No offence, France. Um, but, uh, ho, ho, ho. Um, <laughs> especially after Especially after my... Um, especially after my... Uh, um, hernia specialist was French. No, no, no. You do not need the operation. Um... <laughs> Now go away, your mother was an hamster and your father smelled of elderberries. Um, that was a fucking juicy pronunciation of elderberries there, wasn't it? Elderberries. Um, even a French guy would be listening to that going, yeah, we don't speak like that, you cunt. Um, so, um, uh, yeah, so Gajira, yeah, check it out. Very, very cool. Very cool. Um, and obviously I've already mentioned it, but, um, yeah, so Prince has died. Fucking hell. Who next? 2016 is ripping the arse out of fucking... The, just the world in general uh, but the world of celebrities it's just fucking ridiculous celebrities actual fucking talented people as well to lose like you know to lose uh, uh, Lemmy um, uh, Prince Bowie I mean it, that's it, all in the space of a few months it's fucking ridiculous it really is and someone said to me the other uh, someone who knew nothing by the way said oh yeah well it's the rock and roll lifestyle isn't it uh, really four words Ozzy Osbourne Keith Richards oh and some more shut the up fuck cunt um, and anyway so uh, that was the end of the job interview <laughs> right okay um, I've bullshitted enough to start with um, first up is going to be an interview with a uh, very old friend Jason Arnup Jason um I'm not going to... I don't want to say too much because it, we, we kind of catch up in the interviews. There's no point in, in doing too much. But just to preface it, um, heavily involved with Kerrang, as you will hear, um, back in the day, he has been an author for many years. He's still involved in metal. And, I mean, we actually bumped into each other at the um, the Slayer and um, an Anthrax show at the end of last year at the Brixton Academy. Hey, hook right book to the back. Yo! This is almost professional. Um, so you will, um, you, you'll look, you'll just, you'll hear all about us catching up. Um, and there's some really interesting stuff there. And you'll also hear me saying that the new Anthrax album is not all that. What a cock. 
Uh, look, I'd only given it a couple of spins at that point. By the way, just played it again today. Fucking great. Absolutely love it. As is Prong, no absolutes, which is absolutely awesome. So anyway, um, guys, this is my interview, uh, my chat, my lovely catch-up with the one and only Jason Arnup. Okay, let's um, let's ring Jason uh, and see how this goes. Uh, hello there. Hello there. How are you, sir? I am utterly well. Let's um, utterly well. Let, let's let's pretend like we didn't speak five minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah, it's, it's totally spontaneous. Absolutely. Yes. Like 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 all the best interviews, it's completely spontaneous and not planned at all. No, no. We certainly didn't plan to speak at this time. This is just us hanging out, chewing the shit and chewing the fat. Well, let's face it, we nearly didn't. Yeah, no. <laughs> good, good old, good old well, Facebook. You know, the best laid plans. We can thank Facebook for that, though. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and um, and of course, we we bumped into each other only uh, on, well, only a, a few weeks ago at the um, at the Slayer and Anthrax show. I know, I know. It's yeah, it's nice to very nice to see you in the queue, and it was even nicer, frankly, to see Slayer on top form. Uh, yeah, what a great gig that was. Yeah, I saw your. Um, I saw your. Um, I, I didn't see your review. I think I saw a clip um, of what you wrote on Facebook, and um, I wholeheartedly agreed. I must say. Yeah, I mean that was the best. That I mean, it's not like I've seen. It's not like I've seen Slayers or like every year since 1986 or 1985, like some people probably have. But uh, yeah, I'm, I I'm, was... I'm one of those. Yeah, but you know, I got. I mean, I went to see them on the last tour. But world pain and blood tour which was really good and i really liked it but it wasn't i don't know the brixton uh i don't know i've kind of got this theory which is a, a bit of a sad theory really in a way oh we're but, uh, I, do you know what i think you i think you're about to i think you're about we're about to agree on a theory go on really let's, yeah. let's see let's see i think it's just you know when when tragedy befalls a band or they encounter some kind of terrible obstacle that's when the kind of you know that's when the fire really gets lit under them and and they're you know more likely to kind of really make more of an effort and i really felt like they were making more of an effort you know well i well i'm i'm slightly more controversial i'm in the sort of whisper (laughs) it uh, whisper it quietly no one's missing jeff um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm right out there on a fucking limb. Um, Don't mince your words, do you, sir? That's it. I'm living on Island Howard, population one. Um, <laughs> you know, um, no, I, I I think that with the quality of um, uh, of Repentless and bit by bit, there's been a drip feed of yeah, Jeff didn't Jeff didn't really play any guitars. He just did the odd solo. And he was becoming more and more of a recluse. And I just think, and, 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 you know, it's been respectful, but I just think there's little bits have come out where basically it's been, it's become pretty clear that over the last 10 years, you know, Jeff was really just kind of withdrawing from the band. Yeah. Um, and, um, and when you, I mean, I, I think Repentless is a, is a, is a not only a fantastic album, I think the song itself is probably one of the best songs they've written in 10 years. Um, and and I just think that yeah, you know, sort of, you, you kind of whisper it in dark circles. But um, you know, Je- Jeff hadn't been the force that he was 
for many years. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, don't, I literally don't know anything about, about that side of things. But I suppose there's a difference between sort of, you know, I mean, I think the, the, the fact of the matter is that there aren't many people who wouldn't want to see Jeff back in the band, you know, and indeed back on this planet, ideally. Um, whether that means they're actually, you know, whether that's the same thing as not missing him, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, it's hard to say, isn't it? But I mean... I don't know, it's a funny one for me, because, I mean, album-wise, I, th- I think the last truly great Slayer album was South of Heaven, really, which is probably quite controversial as well. Oh, wow, uh, yeah, um, you're, you're, you're out there pissing on Seasons in the Abyss. Good on you. Well, I don't know about pissing on it, because I still think it was a great album. But right. if we're talking like classics, <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, I, I revisited South of Heaven uh, over the last couple of days, actually, and I just think it's... I was really just struck by how well produced it was. And I think it was, uh, I think that and I guess Rain and Blood were two sort of rare examples of a Flash album being produced in, not just sonically, but in the old fashioned sense of the word by Rick Rubin. And you can kind of feel his influence on some of those arrangements. And I just think since then, especially post seasons in the abyss, Something changed, or something—I don't know—something about Slayer's songwriting just became a bit generic and a bit weird. Yeah, I mean, I—I uh, I, I know what you mean. I mean, I loved South Heaven when it came out, and, I, and it is a classic, yes. But I—I I actually think Seasons in the Abyss in the Abyss has worn better. My feeling with mm. my feeling with South of Heaven was that you know, distant aggressors on there for a start, so it loses points. Um, yeah, it's a bit of a shame they, you know, is that the only Slayer album with a cover? Apart from the covers album, obviously. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, they just packed them all into one album. Um, <laughs> yeah, which yeah. is for the best. Uh, yeah, no, I think, which, by the way, I think is fucking awesome, that album. Um, uh, yeah, it was all right. No, I'm, 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 um, well, I'm, I'm a big crossover fan, so I, I loved it. And also, I think, I actually think that album contains one of the best Slayer songs ever, which is Gemini. Which is a hugely oh. underrated song. And it's one of the first tunes that Paul Bostaff got to really um, um, divine intervention, which uh, which I I wasn't a big fan of. It's re- really muddily produced, and I just think I think Bostaff was just trying to. It was almost trying too hard on the album. It's like a drum clinic going on in every song. Um, There's a lot of kind of around that time. There was a lot of kind of off, you know. Weird time signatures, which yes. is not really what I want from Slayer, frankly. Well, I mean, I suppose it's something different for them to try, but still. Well, no, and after the raw, just speed and and kind of like you know, train that could come off the tracks any minute that was Lombardo to then to then have, I don't know why I said Lombardo <laughs> there, it was, um, Lombardo, but um, yeah, it was it, yeah, exactly, it wasn't what I wanted either. Um, but then Gemini was just like slowed down. It's a really, it's a real fucking psychopath of a song. It really is. Hmm. Um, I can't, I can't remember. I'll have to go back and uh, and give that another listen. Oh man, yeah, I do, think... do. The production on it is fucking awesome as well. It it sounds so much better than anything on Divine Intervention. Yeah, I mean, one of the few songs that I love from that general kind of mid period, I suppose we could call it, is uh, Ditto Head. That's a yes. fantastic piece of work. Yeah, and also, you know, they you can tell it's a good song because they kept it in the live set for so long. Yeah, I wish they kept it in for Brixton. Actually, that would have been that would have made it even better, which was quite difficult to do. Yes, yeah, but yeah, no, it, it was. The weird, the weird thing about that Brixton set really is that it sort of became. 
uh, I've said this in the Metal Hammer review, they just sort of almost like transcended the set list. It was just so generally enjoyable, the whole thing, from the stage set to everything, to the really good sound. That even when they were playing songs that you know I would probably never choose to play on record, it didn't matter because it was Slayer live firing on all cylinders, and it was great. Yeah, I think um, I, you know I'd, I'd I'd go with that um, definitely, and uh, and I thought uh, you know it it was it was a phenomenal, relentless um, uh, performance. Um, what did you? What, funnily enough, I, I mean I did I spoke about this on my podcast when I went to see him as well. What did you think to Anthrax? Because I mean I was I was looking forward to mm. seeing them, but it, absolutely they just passed me by. Oh God! And why was that? Because they. Was the, uh, what was the reason for that? I, well, from your point of view? I, well, I, I wish I knew. I wish I knew to be honest. <laughs> um, it, they just, uh, it, it's. I just found it really pedestrian. I think. It, I mean, I, I'm a fan of Joey Belladonna, but I found him. I found him quite. <laughs> I found him quite irritating um, that night. So again, you know, whether it was me or whether it was them, and you know, it was probably me. Um, but I, I just found, you know, Joey was just walking around giving it, giving it the devil horns every twenty seconds, and and he, I mean, some of it, <laughs> and some of his patter really does stink worse than brie. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I love the word patter. Yeah, and then, and then you've got, um, and then you've got Scotty and sort of like doing this this faux hard bastard voice between who's in a thrash metal? Oh, really, Scott? Who's in the thrash metal? Really? You and Slayer, oh, yeah, yeah. you know? I mean, fucking I no one. No one. Just a couple... I don't know why he does that. Yeah, oh, there's a couple at the back, maybe. Rest of us, fuck off, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and then, and, and, what, and what really put the... Well, and that, they played March the SOD, which I loved, and I was astounded at how... Yeah, yeah. I was astounded at how that, that didn't get a massive cheer. It was like, literally, there seemed like about a few hundred of us that were pleased to hear it. I, I was astounded that, there was a, that it didn't bring the roof down. Um, and then just to... I know it kind of makes you wonder whether Slayer's, you know, whether Slayer's crowd is kind of, I don't know whether that is whether that is the same crowd that yeah. would have listened to SOD back in the day. Who, well, who yeah, oh yeah, ab- absolutely. Whether it was just an all-round kind of lower average age, um, but then uh, so that was a highlight for me. Um, they played Evil Twin, which I think is you know off the new album, which I'm not a big fan of, and. Um, oh. you know, not yeah, it didn't really do anything for me. And but to put the tin hat on it, Scott Ian brought his kid on stage at the end, and that was the end of it for me. It really was. He brought the he brought the what on stage? He brought, his, he brought his kid on stage at the end. Oh yeah, yeah. And and for me, oh. that's just that's just like how many fucking albums has she written on, mate? I am not fucking applauding. I'm sorry. You know, is <laughs> is Charlie gonna bring is Charlie gonna bring his dog on? You know, is that gonna? What it's like. Why do we want to see your kid? You're a hard-hearted soul. I, I, yeah, you, you can tell I'm not a parent, can't you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. Jesus Christ. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, they're about to leave the stage anyway. So, I mean, frankly, yeah, what difference does it make to you whether he brings his kid out or not? I, I, well, that's it, my point to you, Mister H. Yeah. Well, oh, I, look, I don't expect me to rationalise my stupid opinions. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's 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 purely it's purely an emotional thing, but I, I know I get the same when <laughs> I get I get the same when sport you know when footballers like bringing their kids on to go and lift the FA Cup up, and it's like there's a, there's a stadium with like hundred thousand people in that would give anything for their fuck they would give their right arm to go up those steps and lift a trophy, and you're bringing on your bloody screaming kid that doesn't even know the difference between the FA Cup and a fucking vase. <laughs> I mean, I suppose it's you know it's a, it's an indulgence, isn't it? But a lot of I suppose a lot of live performances have those kind of 
it's almost part of the contract, isn't it? That there's going to be some kind of indulgence on the performer's part. And, and, and I suppose how well, yeah, how well you receive that depends on how well you enjoy the set, probably. Well, <laughs> I, I, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you if you bring out your mum, you're not you're not enjoying it so much. Um, <laughs> um, but I guaranteed, well, no. guaranteed. If we, if I if, if you know if I had kids and we were playing Bloodstock, I'd I, you know I'd probably bring them all out. Do you know what I mean? Wife, kids, in laws. You know, <laughs> I, I, you know. I'm I'm sure I would. I'm sure I would. But you know, yeah, uh, I probably would too. I'd bring me local greengrocer on. <laughs> Why not? Why not? Get him up there. Actually, get them all up there. Right. I'm thinking now. I think I think we're going to run a. I'm going to run a competition on the Acid Rain Facebook page for for somebody <laughs> for somebody for somebody to just get up and come on the stage at the end with us to just like you know just to milk it all in would be a six piece for just like taking a bow and stuff you know what i mean yeah <laughs> that'd be lovely yeah be fucking that'd be brilliant. really nice but um no i really liked anthrax i must i must admit i thought it was oh good it was good. slightly a slightly weird set it was, um, it was a weird atmosphere though didn't you think um uh, yeah um, but then again I don't know. It's interesting, isn't it? You know, what do a Slayer crowd expect from Anthrax? I mean, to a lot of Slayer people, I suppose Anthrax are like, you know, either that sort of wacky, stupid mosh band in shorts from the 80s or the band that kind of, you know, became more melodic and less thrash in the 90s. So maybe some people would just weren't that excited to see them, but hopefully they changed a few minds because, I mean, you know, playing stuff like Indians and Among the Living was exactly what I was after. But yeah. it was a bit of a strange set. Three cover versions is a weird choice in a in a support slot. Um, you know, well, and one of them got the time. We didn't really need got the time, did we? I don't think. Uh, well, I, I've got to be honest. If, if, well, while we, I'm glad you brought all this up because um, I have to say that got the time I can I can live with, but um, antisocial can fuck off. <laughs> they've so been, do you like it? And they've been, they've been, but they've been playing it. For, they've been playing it longer than the longer than trust. For fuck's sake, <laughs> you know, it's just like lads, please, you know, turn it in. I mean, I love that song, but um, if I remember rightly, they kind of stretch that out a bit. And yes, they know, do. Yeah, support slot. Why stretch songs out in a support slot? I don't. I don't understand that. That's just kind of wasting time. Cram more in. That's that's what I say. I, I can't remember. Did they play? Did they play? Um, uh, I am the law. No, and they didn't play it the following night in. Uh... Brighton either. I don't. They don't seem to be generally playing that. Right. Well, I'm, sick of that. I'm. I'm sorry, but if you're playing antisocial and you're not playing, I am the law. You fucking lost touch. You, you're Lars Ulrich. You've know, <laughs> completely yeah, lost touch with metal. It's kind of hard to justify. <laughs> it is, isn't it? It is. <laughs> um, so no, I, I, this is this is bizarre. Actually, we've just stumbled into 15 minutes of discussing the last time we saw each other. Um, uh, yes, at, at that gig, and there and there is so much to talk about with you. Um, right. I, I actually looked. I actually just dug out um, the Moschinstein thanks list, and and uh, because for so I, I was sure you were on it. Was I not? You weren't. No. So my apologies. This is a bit late now. Obviously, this is an outrage. Yeah, that is, it, it is an outrage. I'm I'm amazed you haven't hung up. Um, I know. I, I thought about it, but then I realised it wasn't an old-fashioned phone, so I can't actually hang up. I have to like, work out where to press the stop button. And yeah, that take too much effort. Just just press the red button, and it and and it all disappears. <laughs> It'll all be over. <laughs> exactly. The misery will end. That's it. The horror of it all. Um, just for, <laughs> I like the horror of it all. And I, the soundtrack reference. Yes, and they played it, didn't they? Did they? Yeah. 
They did. Uh, they, what, they, at Brixton? Yeah. Yeah. Why don't I remember this? <laughs> I, because because they probably played it and you went, fucking hell, what's that? I can't remember that. The last the last track off Among the Living. Yeah. Yeah. They played it. They, did they, they must have only played a bit of it, though, because surely... Uh... No, they played the whole thing because Scott Ian really dragged the riff out. And again, That's I was really and, and again, I was amazed at the lack of uh, of reaction in the audience. We weren't watching this from like alternative universes, were we, or something like that? Um, do you know what? <laughs> while while we're on the phone, I am. While we're on the phone, I'm going to Google the set list for that night, and I'm going to humiliate yeah. humiliate you live on air. <laughs> uh, well, you never know. You might get a surprise. Yeah. Well, actually, do you know what? Let, let's <laughs> let, let's settle this bastard. But um, only set list. FM can help us now. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and the people are listening to this as as you Google, and they're, they're either thinking, well, they're thinking that one of us is a stupid cunt, basically. <laughs> no, I think I think what they're thinking is, I didn't fucking tune in to listen to two blokes, <laughs> <laughs> two grown yeah, men bickering yeah, over yeah, a no, set list. No, 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 I don't even give a shit about. Oh, bastard, bastard! It was among the living. Oh, well, that's an easy mistake to make. Uh, the title track or, or the final track of the album. Well, I think it's, is, I, no, I think you're right. It, what it, they did play, it was the intro to... Um, it was the intro. Yes. Yeah. And, and then, then you'd had a few ales by then, celebrating your interview <laughs> with Gary Holt. And so you that's, thought, <laughs> that's, the, that's the song. They're going to play the whole song now. And I'm going to just decide they have. I don't know how Gary made it on stage after the highlight of the evening, talking to me prior to the gig. Do you know what I mean? I mean, it's like, why well, bother? Yeah. Why bother? He obviously decided to, to rise above it. and uh... yeah, yeah, absolutely. The, the, the ultimate professional. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I, I was the ultimate, ultimate professional that night. Um, I wasn't even on the guest list. I bought a fucking ticket. Oh my god! Now that is, uh, yeah, that is good work. Yeah, that that's that's dedication right there. I uh, think it's it's good for the solo to buy to buy the odd ticket. You know, in the last sort of, you know, since I left Kerrang, I've, I've certainly bought the odd ticket, and it it feels good because you know the money is going to the band, and uh, you obviously want to see them. Yeah, absolutely. So, absolutely. I mean, I'm, 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 you know, I'm all for buying tickets, buying CDs, and I think now more than ever, um, it, yeah. it, it's it's important. It's important that bands get some funds from somewhere. Yeah, I know. It's just, it's, it's, yeah, it's shocking. But I, actually, just whilst we're on the, just ta- tailing off on the Anthrax conversation, um, have mm. you have you heard the new album yet? Yes, and it's uh, it's it's really pretty good. Okay. Oh, you've just put uh, that straight out there, haven't you? You've just put that. Straight, you've just put that straight out there. He's like, "Yes, I've heard it, and it's pretty good." And I'm like, "Ah, oh, yeah. right, okay." <laughs> How'd you like those apples? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think. Um, I think I saw a quote from Frank Bello when he said, "He said it's the most metal album we've written in a long time." And and yes. having and having played it, I, I think yes, I agree. And what he's actually saying there is. By the way, this is not a thrash album. Yes, yeah, true. It's not. No. It, it, it's, but, it's, it's as our guitarist referred to it. It's very Joey. <laughs> um, what does that mean? Um, well, well uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's it's a lot of showcasing of his voice, isn't it? Yes, yeah. yeah it's very. I mean, Paul was um, uh, 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 heard it first, and he was like, "Oh, it's very Joey." Have a listen. I was like, oh, "Okay." Um, and um, and yeah, I, I I know what I mean. There's there, there there's there's a couple of tracks on there where I was really scratching my head, going, 
what are you doing? I don't really don't expect this on an Anthrax album. Um, hmm. But, um, you know, they, they've earned the right. I, I mean, I, I haven't really given it a good enough listen yet. But, uh, yeah, my first impressions were it's a metal album. It's not a thrash album. Charlie Benante is still amazing. But there yeah. was there, there just seemed to be some really... There was a, there was a, there was some really surprisingly lame ass riffs in there, um, hmm. uh, but hey, well, you know, I think it's just nice to it's nice to um, I mean worship music. It was nice to sort of it was nice they had a comeback album together with Joey, but it was a bit sort of I don't know it was a bit lackluster really. You think so? And so this this album feels more. Um, to me, it kind of feels like they're trying to pull all their different kind of aspects of Anthrax together into one. So, you know, they're never going to write Among the Living 2. Uh, and we probably wouldn't like it if they if they did, you know. Yeah. Because it would just be, you know. I mean, obviously, you know, I'd, I'd like them to, to go back full full tilt thrash, but that's not going to happen. But, you know, I think there's a lot to really, there's a lot to like on this album. There's a lot more, basically, it's it's got a lot more drive behind it, I think, isn't it? Um, I I don't know. I I actually think it's got less behind it. I I I, I, I really do. I just um um it's just it it was just a bit sweet, just a bit saccharine for me. Um, really? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I again, along with Repentless being the best song that Slayer have done in the last ten years, I think Fight Him Till uh, Fight Him Till You Can't is is. Mm. Probably the best Anthrax song for the last ten years. I think it's an absolute. Yeah, that modern, was good. I think it's a modern day classic. I think it's a modern day. I am the law. I think it's just fucking brilliant. Um, um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I just, I just felt this album was a bit too sweet, a bit too polished, um, and just, and quite simply, just not enough fucking all out. There's no all out speed there. There's no bits where I was thinking, wow, oh, that is fucking oh, beautiful, you know. But, well, I mean, the last the last song really feels like uh, that last song, Zero Tolerance, really feels like they're throwing a bone to us thrash fans. You know? I, I mean, mean, that is a proper speed. That is a yeah. proper speed song. It's actually, I actually listened when I was reviewing it for the Hammer. I listened to uh, uh, Gung Ho to compare the speed, and uh, I think I think this one was at least at least as fast. No, you're right. You're so right. No, I'm, do, I'm I'm doing the album a disservice. Like I said, I've, I've only played it once, so I shouldn't really pontificate too much because I'll probably be three podcasts down the line saying it's going to be my top five of 2016. Um, well, it's possible with this kind of album because I must admit, when I first heard it, I wasn't exactly overjoyed. You know, I sort of, I don't know. It's funny, isn't it? When you listen to an album that you're looking forward to, the first listen, you're kind of full of so much hope, you know, and you want it to be like amazing. Yeah, and then the second time you listen to it, you kind of you know you're accepting it more for what it is, and then the third time, and a lot of these songs, I think a lot of these songs do take a while to kind of wheedle their way in. So you might find yourself, yeah, liking it more. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm more than happy to, I'm more than happy to give it a few listens. I mean, I, I love the production. The actual sound of the album is is awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, the guitars could always be bigger, couldn't they? I just think that's a on every album ever. Um, I always think that um, I must admit I was I, I listened to um, it. I found it really startling. I um, I, I had a, my phone on shuffle and I was shuffling Slayer tracks, and <laughs> and I listened to something on Will Painted Blood and it sounded great. And mm. then and then Silent Scream kicked in from South of Heaven, and mm. it just made Will Painted Blood. It made it sound tiny. Yes. You know, 
it just sounded tiny. You know, it was the it was the it was the remastered South of Heaven, and it sounded fucking huge. Yeah, but those days are gone. Of those massive productions, I know, and I don't know why. I don't understand why it all feels compression. So more... Compression, my dear, compression. It is, isn't it? Why do yeah. Why do they do that? Why would they do such a thing? Well, I guess it's moving with the times as well. I mean, but you know, a lot of a lot of musicians, a lot of artists have have you know have have have, have grown up with you know uh, heavily compressed music and and heavily compressed sound. Yeah. I mean, uh, and as much as I hate Avenge Sevenfuck, um, <laughs> that that um, that last album, um, uh, Hail to the King, where or the the covers album, as Rob Flynn called it. Um, the production, the production is absolutely fucking brilliant. I mean, it really is a big nod to the Black Album. Right, I haven't heard it. No, but oh, right, I'm sure it is tremendous. Oh no, oh, no it, it is a modern day, really massive sounding album. It was the benchmark for when we were when we were putting um, our uh, Plan of the Dam together. Um, it was what the uh, production team were were benchmarking as a for the drums because it, it is yeah. basically like the modern day Black Album. Um, right and um, yeah, it's it's immense. It's certainly worth listening to from a, a production point of view. I mean, you can give the songs, yeah. you can give the songs a wide berth, but um, well, I say <laughs> well, I say songs, collection of riffs that other bands have used before. Um, I know they they couldn't even invent their own logo, could they? No, exactly. Logo. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, no, it was it, it's yeah, it's a shit show of an album, but the production is um, it, is pretty fucking awesome. Yeah, I mean, again, you know, when I was listening to Sound of Heaven, I just really noticed, I mean, you notice the drums, that really, you know, the proper, it's proper bass end in those drums, in those kick pedals and the guitar tone, it's just so kind of wrenching. Yeah. You know, when that, you know, Sound of Heaven is such a brilliant song as well, it's just the way it builds up, the dynamics of it, and, you know, when it switches into well, it switches into gear in that first first verse, it, the guitars are just amazing, you know. I've, I've and I think I, I, that's also kind of what I miss from Slayer's song. Because for, um, for yeah. oh, oh, actually no, it's carried on. I was going to say for the first time in a long time, um, I've got. Um, uh, I've, in fact, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to stop recording here, and, mm. um, and 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 start again because we had a little bit of an issue there. So bear with me. Um, okay. If, oh no! In fact, I say what. Yeah. Right. Well, we're 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 back, and um, we'll see if that makes any difference. Yeah, it's behaving a little better. Love it. Um, you know, I'd say what. Hang on a sec. Um, right. Mm. So, so completely uh, spontaneously, Jason. Um, oh yes. Yeah. Um, what's uh, what's going on with you at the moment? Well, thanks for asking, H. <laughs> no uh... problem, Jason. <laughs> I heard I, I I heard you may be possibly onto these onto the um the first of a um the first book in a two deal uh, two book deal is that is that right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for pointing that out. Yeah, two, a two book deal with uh, Orbit Books, <laughs> and uh, I've written the first book, uh, which uh, the first edition of that is out in March. And what's and that called? That's called. It's called the Last Days of Jack Sparks, and it's about a music journalist. It's about um, well, yeah. Isn't it? Um, isn't it? Um, it's seriously hard to put down chilling and utterly immersive. Well, yes, those were the words of the popular author M. R. Carey, who brought us uh, the girl with all the gifts, which is a great, great novel. Um, 
yeah, I mean, there's, there's been some really good quotes on this already from uh, authors I really like, so that's amazing. Oh wow, that must and, be that uh, must be awesome. That must be that must be re- that must be one of those one of those moments where it, it's like it's all makes it all worthwhile. Yeah, definitely. You know, when you get the kind of uh, I don't know. Yeah, when you when you get a really good reaction from authors whose stuff you've loved and admired, and you know, um, yeah, that's brilliant. It's the kind of uh, it's kind of like a horror horror thriller novel that hopefully it's got mainstream appeal as well because it's basically about a um, a celebrity kind of pop culture journalist who sets out to write a book that debunks the supernatural and then ends up dead. It's kind of like a found footage novel, really. Have you um, have and, you have uh, you just massively given the plot away though? Is there any need to buy the book now? <laughs> <laughs> no, you'll find that you'll find that on the back cover. It's uh, we, oh, right. we all know from the start. We all know from the start that he's dead. Right. A bit like those kids that vanished in the Burkittsville woods in the, the Blair Witch Project. Right, okay. Um, and so, um, yeah, so that's great. And I'm working on the second novel now. I've just started on it in the new year. And um, I'm experimenting with an anti-distraction app that shuts down the internet at certain points of the day. Wow. And uh, it's really good. I'm loving it. Wow. I mean, I mean obviously, you know, Hang on, hang on, hang on. Anti-distraction app. So basically what we're saying is um, you've completed yeah. and, and, and technology has been employed to make you more yes. productive. I love that. I love that. Yeah, it's, it's utterly pathetic. It really <laughs> is. But for some reason, I don't know, I, I think most people, I think the internet has just robbed so many people of, of uh, focus in general. You know? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Totally agree. Totally agree. You know, so it's. Uh, I mean, your your podcast is about three hours long, isn't it? I, I salute that. You know, you know, the fact that you know you're not catering to people who want things in like three minute chunks. <laughs> well, to, well, to be honest, you know what? Initially, I I set out initially to make it a. Uh, I didn't want to be any longer than an hour, and the fir- and about mm. the first two managed that. But um, I ended up getting so much. I ended up getting so much content from around the place, and um, and also, I mean, I, I I babble on for at least about forty minutes, forty forty five minutes per podcast, um, <laughs> and you've only got to chuck a couple of hour long interviews in there, and that's nearly three hours. But but also, yeah. but also, my feeling is, and I, and and unfortunately, I I know a lot of people's brains don't work like this, but um, it's a monthly podcast. So it's three hours to listen to over the duration of a month. You know, yeah, yeah. you don't have to listen to it this week. You don't have to listen to it today. You can dip in and dip out. You know, That's true. As soon as you, as soon as you hear Arnold starting to talk about his new book, you can just skip on about 10 minutes. <laughs> if you choose to. No, no. Well, I, you would but, obviously be foolish. To but I, well, of course. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and, I, and I did ask because I'm, um, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm fascinated by anybody who can, um, uh, who can actually be asked to, um, to sit down <laughs> and, and, and write and, you know, and complete a book. And I mean, that's, that's a hell of a, that's a real job of work and it, and it requires a great deal of self-discipline or alternatively a few apps. Yeah. I <laughs> well, I managed to write the last, well, I mean, the first novel took like 18 months to write and I'm, I'm starting to think that if I'd had these apps then, they probably would have taken about nine Right. Um, okay. <laughs> so, wait? but I'm, I'm really liking the brutality of this thing. It's an app called uh, Cold Turkey, and you put it on your PC or whatever. Yeah. And uh, it just shuts down. You put set the schedule, and 
I was I was on the, I was using TweetDeck to uh, tweet this lunchtime at about twelve twenty nine, and um, I was halfway through writing a tweet and it hit twelve thirty and the, and cold turkey just shut TweetDeck down. It was, it's like, almost like a jailer, like pulling the port colours down. Going, right, that's enough for you. That's enough tweeting for you, Sonny. Yeah, it's like it's like it's like it's like, it's like your you know, like your mum or dad coming and like you know switching the light off. Get to bed, you. But definitely. Turn the light you know, off. Or, stop reading. I know. In my case, right, write a thousand words. Yes. And, uh, just get get on with it, for Christ's sake. But that's uh, you know it's, it's sad that we need it, but I think increasingly we kind of do. Now, oh, now one thing. One thing I'm interested in about what you said about the, um, uh, and I'm in agreement. Yeah, and I need something like that. I, I, I need to need fucking blinkers or something. Um, <laughs> I, um, uh, I just uh, going back to the the plot you were saying um, mm. of, of the book and everything. Have you have you written that with a view to um, uh, maybe it's more cinematic? It's more adaptable for TV, which is not a criticism in any way. Because because ultimately, yeah. ultimately, as you learn uh, in the current climate, if you produce any kind of product that can be stolen on the internet, you're you're basically not going to earn a lot of money at what you do. So you need oh, to no, look, yeah. so you need to look at other ways that you can actually make some fucking money. Yeah, I mean, one nice thing about novels is, is that they don't seem to get um, pirated quite so much as other as other sort of art forms. I don't know, I suppose if you've been a bit uncharitable, you could say that, you know, people who read books are generally, I don't know, just uh, less likely to go, oh, this is mine for free. But can't, can't, you, can't, you, can't you rip electronic versions of books? I mean, you know. Yeah, you can, but I just don't, I don't think, as I understand it, I don't think people tend to do that as much. And I don't really know why. I don't know whether, I don't know, maybe people who, who like buy books have more money, I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what the answer is to that. But I mean, in answer to your question, uh, I think the thing is, I just really like, I'm a big fan of found footage movies in general. I mean, obviously, you know, only the good ones, obviously. But uh, of, of, which, so, of which there are quite few. What's that? Of which yeah. there are quite few. Yeah, exactly. You know, so and it's there aren't, haven't been that many books that have kind of adopted that found footage uh, approach. So it seemed like a good idea. Um, and it's kind of presented as a, a fake, um, you know, a fake non-fiction book. Um, it's the book that Jack Sparks, the journalist guy, actually wrote. Um, and I suppose, interestingly, if it was turned into a film, I suppose it would have to be, it would probably become like the film that he shot, like the documentary film. But, uh, I, well, so I I, I I'm, I'm liking this. I'm, I'm, I'm really liking the, um, the concept behind it. And, um, I mean, you know, in book two, if you were to... You know, write in a mouthy Yorkshireman. Um, you know, <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. I think that you know that, that could only benefit the thing. Um, but but where uh, would I find such a gentleman? I don't know. I yeah, don't know uh, how I'd find such uh, a well, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I'll, I'll maybe put you in touch with some people I know. I know this guy called Keith Platt. He'd be ideal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Perfect. Um, Perfect. But um, no, it, no, it does sound like. It, 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 um, well, I'm certainly, I'm certainly up for um, for reading that. That's um, uh, that sounds oh, awesome. Good. And um, and of well, course, that's, that's one sale. The, yeah, brilliant. One awesome. That's that. Yeah, that's you. Yeah, that's yeah, you yeah. retiring. Uh, you got one pre. Yeah. You got one pre order right here. 
Um, Brilliant work. Now, um, uh, funnily enough, I, I, I thought earlier, I, I kind of dropped into the conversation that um, I checked the Moshkinstein thanks list and you weren't on it, and I apologise. And we, we, we just kind of like skated on to something else, and there are going to be people listening going, what the fuck was that all about? Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, so to go careering back to where we were a little while ago, um, <laughs> you, um, you bought the Moshkinstein demo. I certainly did, yeah. yeah. I mean, when, so when was that? Was that like 88, 87? 87. 87, the, album, the mini album came out in 88. That's right, yeah. And I was, you know, I was, I was well into Thrash. And uh, I was, I guess I'd, I'd almost, no, I hadn't started writing for Kerrang yet. No, That's, no, you hadn't. First, first, first mag I started writing for. Um, yeah. But I wonder whether I found out about, because back in those days, you know, God, makes it sound so old saying, oh, there was no internet back then in those days. We it, had to read magazines for information and newspapers. I, I know, but, but, it's like, but it's not that long ago. Well, actually, I say it's not that long no, ago, but then you go, well, hang on, no, hang on. When, when It's would, ridiculous you know... to think back to a time when there wasn't an internet. People had to actually go to libraries to do research. But, um, yes, uh, I reckon I might have read about Moshkinstein in Don Kay's Deathline column, you, I think was it reviewed in that? You did, you did, and I and I I I remember a couple. I remember you writing writing and buying a copy of the tape, but I I was really just I was blo- I was blown away and bowled over by and and any other phrase you want to use um, by <laughs> but but by the fact that you had um, enclosed a letter basically saying, look, you know, I'm buying this sight unseen, obviously. Um, but you'd, you'd read, you'd read, um, you'd, you'd read Don Kay's review. And as I remember, the phrase you used was, and I don't know why it stuck in my mind, was a man who certainly knows his metal meat from his potatoes. <laughs> um, and even, even then, yeah, even then you had a future as an author. <laughs> I don't, um, to be honest, I mean, I don't really know what I meant by that. <laughs> Um, Meat and potatoes tends to get kind of grouped together. That's you know? it. Yeah. Well. Well. So basically, um, and and I remember you, I remember you being really, um, you know, just basically saying that you were, you know, you you, you were be going to become an advocate, and and it was up to it was up to to, to fans to um, to make uh, you know to to get the word out about bands and stuff like that, and it you know it really was. And I remember right, I remember posting you the tape back, and I think I've enclosed a letter as well to say, well, look, good news is, yeah, you know, you're not going to have to do too much because we, we, you know, we're we're about to sign with Music for Nations. Um, yes, but it but it was really cool. But we but we never got to meet, did we? We never our paths never crossed. No, I mean, I think the thing is, I didn't move to London till. Um... Till, uh, I lived in Lowestoft in Suffolk. That's where I grew up. And I didn't move to London until 93. And so I was kind of coming in and out of uh, London for the odd um, thing for Kerrang, like the odd gig or something. But, you know, it wasn't, it was It was kind of a big deal to come into London in those days. Yeah. Well, big smoke. We, and, we, and so I couldn't just pop, casually pop in for, you know, for as much stuff as I wanted to. Well, London was probably the city we played the most, actually. So, um, so you know. You've... Yeah. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I mean uh, yeah, lower stuff. We know we never really got the, metal. Doesn't really get to Suffolk too much, does it? I know. I can't believe you never played the Waveney Sports Centre. I mean, Onslaught managed that. Fuck's sake. To be fair, we probably <laughs> did have an offer. Yeah, you probably did. Yeah, we just looked at the map and went, "Fuck off." Yeah, 
<laughs> um, so I've never seen you live, and I was on holiday when you played those dates in October, which was uh, classic. So brilliant. Uh, hopefully, hopefully this year I can uh, write these terrible ones. Well, are you going to um, uh, are you going to be at Bloodstock? No, I don't think so. I'm not a big fan of festivals. Yeah, well, fair enough. I, I, I get that. I'm I, I'm neither. But um, yeah, we're we're only doing. Are you not? We're doing. Um, oh, hang on, hang on. Uh, I was going to say, I was going to say Suffolk. Yeah, we're doing Norwich, but of course you're in bloody London now, aren't you? I'm, I'm in Brighton now. I'm, I'm all over the shop. Um, actually, there, there is there is a slight undercurrent of something that I'll talk to you when when the I always do this in every fucking interview I do. I mention <laughs> I mention something that I can't sp- talk about on air, and I always end up having to apologise to the listeners. So uh, as you will know, yeah, exactly. So this is a tradition. But um, yeah, there's something rumbling that we may we may be doing in London um, in the summer. That's just, and and uh, we, we, I'll, I'll I will mention that when we get off air, as it were. Um, Excellent. But um, but yeah. So uh, after that wonderful letter you wrote to me, um, you that you then went on you then went on to um, to as you said. So you moved up to London in '93 to to work full time for Kerrang. Yeah, yeah. It was. I was kind of just decided to do it. Um, I mean, was that that, was that just... must have been like hitting the mother load, Surely. I mean, was it a full time job or is initially was it just like you know they, you were a freelancer. No, I was totally freelance, and it's quite a ticklesome story, really, because I sort of, I just, no one said, oh, you should, you've got to move to London. No, you know, Jeff Barton, the, the then editor, didn't say, Christ, you've got to move to London, we, you know, we need you here. I mean, I suppose, I'm, I think what thing was, I was getting quite a lot of work, I suppose, so it seemed like a good idea. But, uh, but after I moved to London, I can remember going in the office and talking to the reviews editor, Alison Joy, and she said, uh, God, you haven't, you haven't just moved here for Kerrang, have you? And <laughs> oh shit! And I thought, oh shit! <laughs> but uh, it turned out fine, and I got you know I got enough work to live on, and sort of wrote about a whole load of thrash and death metal, and sort of progressed on to sort of writing about other other you know sort of bigger bands as well, I suppose. But you would have been so you would have been um, uh, you would have been um, oh no no I was I was thinking mega metal Kerrang was probably about done by ninety three, wasn't it? Sadly, yeah, I love that thing. I still, uh, yeah, every now and again, I still get them out to to read. You know, I do. I still dig out the uh, the the poster of Doro Pesh. I have to say, well, don't we all? Don't we <laughs> yeah. all? I mean, that's a different matter. Yeah, well, that that fucker got laminated in nineteen eighty nine. It's the best room, isn't it? Yeah, you know, I, I won't. I won't say many, many learn to their cost. I, I won't say what it got laminated with. But um, <laughs> <laughs> suffice to say, you'd need a toffee hammer to fucking bend it in half now. Um, <laughs> you, you really don't hear enough about toffee hammers these days. <laughs> oh, mate, toffee hammers. I, I was, well, having spent the Christmas in Yorkshire, um, you know, toffee hammers everywhere up there. Um, still in fashion. That's a good name. It's <laughs> a good name for a band, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. I know. Well, actually, I, I, like, I like an album everywhere. Um, <laughs> toffee hammers, not just toffee hammers, but everywhere. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, or maybe that is the invasion band. of the toffee hammers. Or maybe that's the band Toffee Hammers, and then you know the album's just called Everywhere. <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> the album's simply called Everywhere. I, I, can I just say, yeah. if 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 there's not a mention of a toffee hammer in book two, yeah, you can fuck off me buying book one. <laughs> <laughs> but hopefully, you know, you've already been suckered into reading book one before you get onto book two. Yeah. Well, is there somewhere I can subscribe for the whole set? 
Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm sure I can find somewhere. <laughs> yeah, let me issue one's 99p, but I get a free binder, yeah? Yeah, yeah of course, yeah, you know, the full set. Brilliant, uh, brilliant. I'm just, sorry, I'm just writing down on a post-it note, Toffee Hammers <laughs> 2, <Yeah>. everywhere. <laughs> brilliant. Um, it, uh, so, um, so anyway, sorry, we kind of like... Um, uh, d- d- diverted there, so um, so so you're so you're, so uh, yeah, you you ended up writing because um, of course what people won't realise is your website jasonarnup dot com. There, there's a, there's a picture with um, with you in what looks like Ozzy Osbourne's front room as he tries to strangle you. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, funnily enough, that was from the um, that was from the from the two thousands. Uh, that was when I interviewed him for Heat magazine. Um, wow, you really would yeah. sell your ass and work for anyone, wouldn't you? <laughs> oh, absolutely. No, I mean, I like a bit of heat. I think it's a fun, fun magazine. You know, it's got more of a sense of humour than a lot of the other sort of celeb magazines. Uh, so I started writing for them. I mean, I, yeah, basically, I sort of started. I went to London to work for Kerrang in '93, and then sort of eventually ended up on the staff, news editor, deputy editor, acting editor, and then sort of realised I wanted to spend the rest of my life writing fiction and so I left um but did a bit of entertainment journalism to keep myself tidied over yeah while I wrote a load of rubbish scripts and novels that no one would ever read (laughs) yeah including you now I presume yeah I mean well that's that's the thing when you're learning how to write stories and fiction and stuff you know you're always going to write a load of crap that's going to you know, but it's it's worthwhile because you learn from every every bit of it. Hopefully, yeah. Unfortunately, there's there's no easy way. It's, I suppose it's like anything, isn't it? You know, I bet there were were there a load of were there a load of crap uh, acid rain songs that never saw the light of day before Moschkinstein. Uh, no, not really. We we everything we ever wrote that was crap we recorded. No, no. To be to be fair, um, a, a better um, a better analogy would be, or rather, comparison would be would be stand up, because um, ah, um, yeah. I've actually well, I've been doing stand up longer than music, um, a lot longer. Um, really? Yeah. I mean, I yeah. start I started stand up in ninety um, five. Yeah. So. Um, you know, up to now, that's that's twenty years. Take five years off because I had a five year break. So yeah, fifteen years of stand up. Um, whereas I did the band first time round from eighty five, um, yeah, eighty five to uh, to ninety one. So it's only you know, it's only six years really, and we've been back you know a few months. So yeah, I mean you know, but stand up again. Can't. You know, stand up is exactly the same. It is basically. You know, you, you you go out there and, as you said, a load of shit scripts that nobody would ever write. Well, you go out there and tell a load of shit jokes that nobody will ever laugh at. But, um, I mean, Jesus Christ, that must be much, so much harder because, you know, in my case, I mean, hopefully most writers, when they, when they write their early crap, they have the good sense to keep it to themselves. But you're, you know, I think it has to be one of the, the braver professions in entertainment, you know. Delivering material directly to people and they're going to either laugh or not, basically. That's pretty fucking scary, isn't it? Um, it's a long time ago. Um, so, it, it, I mean, you know, occasionally I'll have, you know, gags that don't work because you, but that, but they'll be work in progress and you know they will work eventually. And when it's, surra- yeah. and when it's surrounded by a load of material you know works, you can just pass it off. Uh, but, 
you know, when it's 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 a long time ago, but yeah, I I don't ever remember being scared. I've got to be honest, because ultimately, um, it's a choice. If you don't want to do it, then fucking don't. And that's why I don't believe it's that's why I don't believe it's it's brave, because ultimately, you have a choice. You know, bravery is when you don't have a choice. Bravery is you know, um, is running into a burning building and <laughs> and pulling people out. You know, going up and telling a few shit jokes that people don't laugh at. You know, I, 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 it's not. But when, but uh, yeah, I suppose you said you know, in, a, in an entertainment con, um, sort of context. Yeah, I mean, it's not fireman brave. Let's, let's not. Yeah, let's yeah. Not but take I, it that far. But no, still. But, but again, I just think, I just think, to be honest, when you've got a, when you've got an ego the size I have, um, mm. you know, I, I, I think it's ultimately it's it's feeding it's feeding the ego and you know that you're on a mission to actually yeah. get to a place where you fucking rock and and that is that's the goal so ultimately if you've got if you've got a big enough and if you've got a big enough ego and a and a thick enough hide and a, and a and a and an inner drive that really wants to make you do it then you will do it and i think i think that there's a lot of crossover with what you do there well, I mean, creativity, any kind of creativity is is pretty much equal parts, I think, self-doubt and ludicrous ego, you know. It's kind of... <laughs> yeah. It's the, uh, the ego to say, I'm going to create this and you're going to absorb it, this, this media that I've created. Yes. And, uh, and then sort of, you know, then of course there's the self-doubt that goes along with that. But it doesn't sound like you were overly burdened with that on the stand-up stage, which is good. Um, but, no, I mean, I think... But again, you know, I, I, I you you know when you start out you are so shit that you hang on to such small things again again there's a, a, <laughs> even a titter yeah absolutely though you do i mean i used to record all my gigs and i'd come home and listen and yeah even a titter or something there you think well that's that's something <laughs> you know you fucking hold on to that and then all of yeah. a, and then all of a sudden without knowing it all of a sudden you'll do a gig and all of it works and everyone laughs and you just you go Jesus, that's why I'm gonna. That's why I want to do this. This feels amazing. This feels incredible. Um, yeah, I bet. And, it may, yeah, the sort of the success must make any kind of failure more than worth it. But, I, just, I recently interviewed um, a Doctor Who writer who's written for the TV series, a guy called Jamie Matheson, and he's done. Uh, he was a stand-up for many years, and he was. I said, you know how I think it's really brave, and he was saying, well, once you reach a certain point, you spend most of your, your vast majority of your time telling jokes that you know pretty much you're going to get a laugh and so it doesn't when you get to, when you when you reach that it doesn't seem so scary then um he, he's he's absolutely right and that's why a lot of comics who actually stick um in in stand up uh, and then end up quitting um develop this nasty habit of they they know that they have a set that will basically kill in any room so what they start doing hmm. is actually deliberately dying, deliberately sabotaging their own gig until the audience are just not laughing and not impressed. And then they go to work turning it round and turning it round. Oh my God. Because that's the, and it's, it's, but it's, it's, uh, and, and get them back. But it's the old thing, isn't it? It's, it's, it's a drug. And ultimately you need more and more to get the same high. I know. That uh, sounds a bit like sort of, having to go bungee jumping or something sort of but by the time you get to that point sort of yeah i mean <laughs> trying I, to get the buzz back that i mean that's definitely a sign is you know within stand-up circles that's definitely a sign that you know you either need to break or quit um <laughs> <laughs> uh 
Um, but yeah, he's he's got a point there. He's got a point. But um, so what? So what, how? You know, you you decided to write fiction, um, and yeah. uh, I mean, did uh, but your but your you obviously your love of metal um, is is mm. still there because you're now back. You know, writing stuff for for Metal Hammer and and and, and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, it's kind of it's really because you know my love of uh, especially thrash metal has never has never gone. I mean, I think it kind of when I was at Kerrang, sort of um, on the staff, I think it had kind of probably left me by necessity for a while, just because yeah, you know, I had to worry about what most people were into more. But uh, since then, since I, I left kind of you know rock journalism as such, it's come back with such a vengeance that. It's nice that you know I kind of I write fiction for a living, and um, but it's nice to write now about stuff that I'm really passionate about. You know, nine times out of ten, it's yeah. really nice to be able to review a Slayer gig or uh, you know or the new Exuma album, which is fantastic, by the way. Have you heard oh, that? Wow, wow, no, I haven't. And um, and uh, Possessed by Fire was one of my constant listens back as a kid. Yeah, yeah, me too. God. Yeah, no, I love that shit. Yeah, have you? Did you hear um, their sort of comeback album, Fire and Damnation? I heard a bit of it. Um, I, 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 yeah, I was kind of like, mm, not sure about that. Really? I mean, I really liked it, but this one is better. I think it's uh, it's it's more kind of it's more consistently sort of thrashy and heavy, and just you know they've generally kind of just tightened it up and streamlined it. It's uh, if you like Possessed by Fire, I think you should give it certainly give it a listen. Oh, I, w- uh, I, no, I really love it. I will be, and they're, they're, they're one of those bands that I always, to this day, I always just keep an eye out for because, um, I mean, I, well, I got Possessed by Fire um, uh, in Shades on a on a trip to London. Oh, Shades. Exactly, yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and, yeah, I mean, it's just one of those albums that I, I just constantly play because people don't realize that like back then if you just you know it was like it's 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 discovering an album like that did not happen every fucking day no you know and and uh, you know just to sound like an old bastard like uh, again yeah without the internet (laughs) without the internet and all the rest of it you do you have to go off and discover shit yourself having said that though in you know if we're talking 1986 which we are with uh well, that's when Possessed by Fire came out. That was, yeah, that was, in, I mean, and 30 years ago as well, which is terrifying. That was a hell of a year for Thrash. I mean, I think that's the, the real banner year for Thrash metal for me, really. When you look at all the stuff that came out that year, that's just amazing. Ah, uh, that's interesting you should say that because um, I was recently uh, interviewed um, by a, uh, a Thrash metal website who were doing a feature on 1988, I think. Ah, yeah, yeah. Um and um actually no it might have been nineteen eighty six. Rain and Blood was nineteen eighty six, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, yeah, no, no, it was nineteen eighty six. Yeah, they did oh, a fi- well, they, yeah. yeah, no, no, you're right, you're absolutely spot on. There was a um um a whole feature on, on nineteen eighty six and just like, you know but but it, it was quite weird because it was being obviously written by this the, these guys who run a thrash metal website, but they weren't around at the time. So, yeah, that must be so strange. Yeah, yeah. So, 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 so their que- so some of the questions to me were kind of like really nonsensical. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, wow, <laughs> you, you know, like right, you know, was there a feeling that you know at the time that this was this legendary year? And it's like, well, of course, 
there wasn't because at no, no point you never you never appreciate the gravity of something at the time. You only appreciate no. that afterwards. Yeah, and thrash metal was so new. You know, you, it was no one had the the space to stand back and gain perspective and go, God, it's not going to get any better than this. Because you know, why would why would you think that? I suppose. I mean, even though. Even though those albums, you know, I mean, look at the albums out, out that year: Master of Puppets, Rain in Blood, yeah. Darkness Descends, Pleasure to Kill, Eternal Devastation. Yeah, it's just yeah, uh, no, no, an yeah. incredible array. But you're, but also the thing is, if you go through those albums and you and you mention those bands, right? Also, what you have to remember at that time as well is that none of those bands had let us down, not one of them. You know, <laughs> they, they we we hadn't experienced the oh, this album isn't much good. Yeah. So, so that's true. You know, so so of course we didn't all think, oh wow, isn't this a isn't this an amazing year? Because there was still you you just thought, well, everyone's just going to keep getting better and better and releasing um, every album they release is just going to get better and better and better because that's what's happened before. You know, little did we know that we were going to grow up and grow old and disappointed. (laughs) I know, and we didn't probably. You know, perhaps naively didn't realise that so many bands were going to sign to major labels and then suddenly start writing rubbish ballads that no one was interested in apart from people who watched MTV. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But it's like you know, all of a sudden, you know, we had we had um, Justice for All, which I always th- I always think is almost a, a more divisive album than the Black Album because um by by the time the black album was coming out you also had like never mind and there was you know music was already shifting and changing but yeah. but for me um and and it's weird because i know a lot a lot of people you know justice was their gateway album to thrash as it were but for me i liked it at first but it just kind of grew off me uh, you know and yeah. i was and i really started thinking right okay so mm, this is this is odd um, you know. Yeah, I mean, I liked it at the time. I mean, I, I, you know, I knew that it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a master of puppets. Or, but I liked. I really one thing I really liked about Metallica back then is that each new album seemed to kind of define a new era of metal. Even you know, it's kind of they were state of the art and they were cutting edge at the same time. And yeah, you know, every new album basically taught a new generation of guitarists. You know, a new selection of sort of riffing styles. You know, it was weird, wasn't it? Like each album just just changed. Yeah, and, and um, well, and also they were setting standards for production as well. I mean, I, rem- I remember we we took um, we had Unjustice for All in the studio when we were recording Obnoxious, and we um, uh, we were, the the, um, the producer Stilly Harris, who who went to, who, who's now U 2s producer, funnily enough. Um, wow! I know we gave him his start, and um, never get any credit, <laughs> never get any credit, cunt. Um, what a wanker! <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But um, no, we uh, and we, you know, played him, um, played him in Justice for All. And he was just sat there, he was just going like, "Fucking hell!" You know, he he couldn't get his <laughs> he couldn't get his head around the bass drums. He couldn't get his head around the bottom end on the guitar, and he was like, "Well, that's why there's no bass because <laughs> there's just there's no room for it." Yeah, <laughs> you know, either that or they're all strung out on coke and uh, they couldn't hear it properly. Yeah, yeah, oh, that's it, one theory. Oh, is that? Oh, is that one theory? Is it? Just a theory, lawyers. Yeah, yeah. Just, just. <laughs> would you care to expand on that theory? Would you have? Would you, have you ever? Um, have you ever interviewed um, Metallica? Yes, I have actually. Yeah, I interviewed him a few times over the years, and 
it was quite funny. I remember once interviewing Lars about drugs and uh, and he started talking about, you know, cocaine use and uh, blah, blah, blah. And I said, You've, haven't, you, yeah, haven't you previously said that, you know, you weren't into cocaine? And he said, yeah, I lied. <laughs> <laughs> I love that kind of honesty, being honest about lying. That's good. Yeah, well, but I've, I've always I've always said you can't, you know, you you can't beat honesty. You know what I mean? You no, just, you, you, no. you you can't fuck with it. No, you can't. You know, you know, only a toffee hammer is better than honesty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate, I tell you, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm. If I hadn't just taken two and a half years putting acid rain back together, I'd be, I'd be forming a splinter band called Toffee Hammer. With me, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, there's still there's still time. We've got the rest of our lives ahead of it, ahead of us. Uh, yep, yep. Good point. Good point. Well, you've well, you've got at least a second book. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'll finish the second book and then we'll talk. Yeah, you finish. Mean xylophone. So let's let's do it. So did you um did you ever? Uh, I mean, obviously you you know you you you've interviewed Metallica, you've interviewed Ozzy and all the greats. Was um I mean I, I want to squeeze a nice shitty cliche question in. You know was yes. there, was was there a you know uh, now you're not living in that world you can sort of spill the beans. You know who 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 was who were the twats and who were the who were the really nice people that you maybe wouldn't think would be nice people or you know are they just shit questions and I tell me to fuck off. No, I mean, yeah, I wish I had better answers. I'm trying to think. Um, generally, you'd sort of find, you know, I spent a lot of the 90s kind of going back and forth across the Atlantic and, and like, you know, joining a lot of bands on tour in America and you generally kind of walked away. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Just stop right there. Just stop right there. Oh, yes. Have you any idea how jealous people are listening to this over what you just said? <laughs> Yeah, well, jetting you know, backwards suppose... and forwards across the Atlantic, going on tour with bands. There's people listening to this going, "You twats!" I know. <laughs> Why I know. wasn't it me? About... But you know, I'm not about to make it worse by saying it was actually really boring and tedious because it wasn't. It was fucking great. <laughs> and, uh, awesome. I only wish I hadn't drunk quite so much so I could remember a bit more of the actual sort of travel and the you know the actual locations and stuff. That's but, quite um, that's serious. Yeah. Alcohol does kill the brain cells, doesn't it? It kills the memory like a motherfucker. I know, it's really annoying, you know, you'd kind of I'd like to go back and sort of you know I mean it's not like it's all just a complete blur, but you know, I'd, I'd like to remember a bit more. Um but yeah, um you kind of tended to sort of walk away from jobs hating like tour managers who were like for instance, who were being a bit obstructive and you know, yeah. weren't giving you the access that had been agreed and stuff like that, or you know, people hold on my uh, hold on my phone alarm is going off. Oh. This is uh, a bit embarrassing. Let me turn it off. That's all right because you can't hear it at this end. Ah, I could have just completely got away with that. <laughs> uh, yeah, you could. Yeah, and funnily enough, um, I've been having to kill notifications as soon as they come in while we've been talking. Um, oh, yeah, because other, otherwise they end up all over the fucking podcast. And what's terrible is that that I know there'll be people as soon as they hear a notification, they while they're listening to this, they go go to their phones, and as yes. soon as they get to their phone, they realise, oh fuck, it wasn't on the phone; it's on the podcast. And yeah, exactly. And you know, and the fact that you and I are experiencing this kind of notification nonsense is further proof that we need anti-distraction apps to. To uh, sort us out. I was I was just going to say yeah that's exactly what we need. Um, so so yeah more more the sort of dickhead hierarchy on tour than than the bands themselves. 
Well, I mean, it seemed that way at the time, but but I suppose looking for you know the um, tour manager was just playing nasty cop for for bands who were nice to your face, but actually wanted to go back on the access they'd agreed on, or you know. Yeah. But, um, but also, you are what... you're also you're kind of like just there under their feet. You're just a totally unnecessary distraction, aren't you? Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, it depends. I mean, some tour managers are really cool, and you know, same with managers and PR people. You know, but um, some sort of just made made your job a bit harder than it should have been. Oh, I just remembered. Uh, I think the most awkward interview I ever did was in the early days when I wasn't all that accomplished as an interviewer. It was. Unfortunately, it wasn't a flash metal person or even a metal person. It was, remember that blind guitarist, Jeff Healy? Shit, yeah, I do, yeah. Yeah, he sort of used to play with his guitar on his lap and stuff, you know, yeah. brilliant guitarist. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I sort of interviewed him in the hotel room and he was just it was just a sort of sullen, he struck me as a sullen tosser, really. really? But, uh, <laughs> and I think... So did you spend the whole think, interview there just flicking the V's at him? Yeah, <laughs> no, I wouldn't do a thing like that, young sir. But uh, <laughs> but I think because I was really sort of you know I was kind of like an amateur rock journalist, kind of learning my trade. I think I was probably I didn't really know how to handle the fact that he was blind, and he but he didn't really help. You know, it was it was just one of those things that was probably just a combination of my uh, you know amateurishness and the sort of the and a lack of chemistry. But that sort of sticks in the mind. Yeah, but. Uh, one of one of my favourite interviews was interviewing uh, Pantera in a in a um, a bar courtyard in uh, Baton Rouge, and it was the year two thousand, and, and they were really pissed off with Kerrang and journalism in in general, and so uh, even though I'd met them before, they couldn't remember me, and so I had to kind of basically prove to them that I was a fan of the band and really liked them, uh, and so I got them to um, to hum riffs from songs. And I told them which which songs the riff were from, <laughs> Brilliant. Just to kind of prove that I wasn't just a, you know another yeah. tosser who was trying to get controversial quotes out of them about heroin or something. Um, and that worked well. And uh, I think Dimebag Daryl got me in a headlock, a sort of a playful headlock. So that's that's a good memory. No, that's that, and that's that's a touch of genius, by the way, there, sir. That's a brilliant idea. And uh, and yeah, that's that must be an awesome memory to have. Yeah, well, I'm especially glad that I had that idea. Well, first of all, I'm glad I had the idea, and then I'm really glad that I actually did manage to name all the riffs correctly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Imagine if that could have backfired. Yeah, you'd have looked a real dick. <laughs> I know. Yeah. They could have been really dickish and, like, you know, just hummed riffs from, like, their first really obscure album that I might not have heard or something like that. But yeah. I think one of the riffs they did was Slaughtered or something. I think Slaughtered and Five Minutes Alone, maybe. Right. Trivia fans. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so being a huge fan of thrash metal and having had that love never die, um, how are you yeah. with how are you with the, the second coming? Some of the you know some of the old school um, coming back and putting albums out, and, and and some of the new school bands. Is there any new new school stuff that's that's really working for you, or are you are you more keen to just you know hear old school bands coming back like Testament and Exodus and stuff like that? Not that Exodus um, went away for that long. No, no. I mean, well, first of all, I love it when uh, when old bands come back. I mean, as long as they've got kind of, it's interesting, isn't it? It's like um, thank you very much, by back. the way. Thank you very much. That's very kind of you to say. So I know you. I know who you're talking yeah. about. <laughs> yes, I was just about to say. Obviously, Acid Rain are the foremost uh, comeback band. Uh, 
Yeah, it's funny. When bands come back, they have to have the key members, don't they? And I've kind of found... Oh, oh, you know, it, oh you're, really, you're really fucking digging into me now, aren't you? The key... You mean, you mean... So if a band came back with just one original member, that would, that would suck hard, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, if a band <laughs> came back without a, a gobby northern <laughs> shark, then that would, be, that would be a travesty, and I wouldn't accept it. But as long as that's in place... That's fine. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I'm really happy that bands come back. I mean, you know, otherwise, I mean, Destruction went away for a while, didn't they? And uh, yes. everyone kind of had a bit of a lull. But, yeah. you know, I was especially happy when Exuma came back. And uh, and uh, in terms of new stuff, I'm, I mean, there's, there's lots of good stuff out there, but I do find myself kind of harking back to 86 when I kind of like, <laughs> when I'm looking at the vinyl, the vinyl racks and uh, looking for what to play. Yeah. Um, I'm, but I mean, there is there is some good stuff out there. I mean, I, you know, I like stuff like uh, it's interesting. A lot of stuff seems kind of like I don't know, kind of retro in a funny kind of way. Yeah. No, like, I, I know what you mean. I, do, I don't like my new school thrash to be too much of a homage to the old school because I, I, it's kind of like, well, that's pointless. We've got yes. the old. We've got the old school for fuck's sake. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Yeah, some of it is a bit sort of generic, as if. Some people play as if thrash has just been invented, and I suppose I kind of want to hear the next level all the time, really. Yeah, absolutely. No, I'm, I'm... You know, I want to hear like riffs I've never heard before and uh, arrangements I've never heard before. And... Yeah, I guess that's it, isn't it? Well, no, I'm 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 very much the same. I'm always about I'm I've I've <laughs> always been always have been about the next thing. You know, I want to find the next band. I want to find the next great album. And the minute I find that, I want to share it with as many people as I know and say, "Fucking hell, have you heard yeah. this? This is amazing." You know, um, and uh, and and I find myself with with new school. Um, I mean, it's it's a it's a big generalization. I'm not saying it's I'm not saying it's a a, you know, a, a, a hard and fast rule, um, but I do find myself with the new school just feeling, you know, as you said, where I don't know. Sometimes I think, Christ, have you just sat down and catalogued a load of riffs from albums <laughs> you like, you know, and and just chucked it all together again? Yeah, yeah, it's weird, isn't it? It's, I suppose, but maybe it is a product of of you know a lot of these bands are. Are quite young, and they've just kind of discovered the music, and so they—I don't know. Well, it's also, weird, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, also, somebody pointed out to me, which I thought was a good point, is like, well, yeah, but young young kids into thrash want to go and see thrash bands who are their age as well. You know, they 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 don't want to just like you know they they're into they don't want to just have to go and rock up and see a bunch of men who they can't <laughs> really identify with because there's a twenty thirty year age gap there. They do want to go. I mean, don't get me wrong, they want to go and see the classics, but they also want to have th- their own generation. Um, yeah. You know? Well, I mean, you know, young bands are at the start of their, you know, at the start of their career, however long that's going to last, aren't they? And and they're just kind of, you know, they're getting their stuff together just like Metallica was with uh, Kill Em All or whatever, you know? So I suppose with a lot of these bands, it'll probably take about three or four albums before they actually start to kind of really, you know, break through those generic bonds yeah and that's and that's uh, yeah, sadly if they get to three or four albums um <laughs> yeah you know because it's like it, you know like it or not um you know music is is rapidly becoming something that you need to do uh, alongside a uh, a proper job um which you know yeah. which helps subsidize 
the the music thing. Well, yeah, that's true. But I mean, it's nice that bands can kind of, you know, do the indie thing a bit easier now with the internet and grab the power back. And you know, I mean, I'm still uh, about a year ago, I sort of really got back into like underground fanzines, which and there's still a lot of them out there. Yeah, about you know about extreme music. Sadly, there's not as many about thrash metal as I'd like. But uh, but you know, it's nice that you know you can sort of. You can read about a band and them, and then just go on go online and, and hear the band immediately, or a sample of the band or whatever at Bandcamp. You know, I like that. Yeah, yeah, no, I I do. I th- I just think that I tend to I, I tend to disagree about the taking the power back thing, though, because I think um, I always cite mm. I always cite Scott Ian as an example of this, who who goes yeah. on about like you know the, the the they don't own the rights to like Among the Living and stuff, and their label owns it to in, in perpetuity, and and now they've got the they've got you know they own this, and they've they've got the power back, and they and they put all this. It's like <laughs> yeah, okay, just for just for one second, Scott, let's just remember one thing. When you were on a major label and and they were you know and they were being horrible and all the rest of it, you were earning a fucking fortune. And now you've got the power back and you're not. Which do you want? Do you want money in your bank or do you want to have the power and be scraping around for a living? <laughs> yeah, I mean it's, that's the thing. It's like you know it's all very well sort of. I mean I think the main thing though is that bands can choose to cut out the middleman. And uh, you yeah. know, connect directly with fans, but as 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 I think you've implied, there it's, it's easy to put something on the internet, but it's a lot harder to make people realise it. It is there. Oh, it's, uh, <laughs> That's yeah, the and problem. It, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you know, I, and I, I'm I've I've said this a few times, and it and it's true. I mean, you know, there's there's plenty of people out there who. Um, would love w- would would love to know that Acid Rain are back together, or that we you know we've had a new single out and stuff like that that don't, because ultimately you're back together. <laughs> hey, nice, can't believe it. Nice timing. Um, <laughs> sh- sharp as a toffee hammer. Um, yeah, and, um, and or, or dollars one. Um, <laughs> the, the, yeah, a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of listeners are probably thinking that. <laughs> not, not not at all, mate. You, you you're fascinating. <laughs> Uh, sorry. Oh, um, thanks, thanks, darling. <laughs> that's all I do. Um, but no, it, it's it. But uh, you know, you can't just put an advert in Kerrang, Metal Hammer, Metal Forces, um, and say we're back, and everybody in the metal community knows. Instead, you've got fifteen thousand websites. Everybody chooses their own little group of websites that they go to to check on or website, and if they miss the news that day or a few days, they're not going to go back and see what news there's been. And, you know, it's just... No. It, it's basically massively, massively diversified. I mean, let's face it, any dickhead can fucking buy, buy, a, buy a mic and set up a podcast. Well, well, as you have ably shown. But I, absolutely. I am any you dickhead. You've proven that beyond any doubt. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. I'm not, I'm not any dickhead. I'm the dickhead. <laughs> Mr. Dickhead to you. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, yeah it's, it's, it's true. It's like Evan. It's a good point. I mean, before you had all these sort of, you know, you had three or four kind of rock channels, if you like, these magazines and the, a radio show on a Friday night, and then suddenly there's like, you know, a million, literally a million channels. That's basically what it. That's yeah. the equivalent. Yeah, and the thing, know, but... the, the thing is as well is when 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 you hear you know I, I'm again I'm going to use Scott in, Scott in the example, but this could be any you know musician. It's like, well, actually, what you're complaining about is saying, yeah, yeah. When I used to work for the man, 
It was a real motherfucker. I earned 100k a year, like, but now I'm self-employed <laughs> and I earn 40 grand a year. It's like, okay, <laughs> well done. Congratulations. You know, I mean, it, ultimately, yes, it's not, I'm, I'm making it all about money I, and I, I'm aware of that. Um, yeah. But ultimately, um, yeah, you know, we're record companies ripping people off, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, it was, but they were the times. And ultimately, record labels, I mean, you know, record labels did not make money on every band. You always hear bands who were successful bleating about getting ripped off. But I mean, the last the last um, uh, figures I saw on Acid Rain, um, Music for Nations were seventy, eighty grand down on that deal. Right. You know, um, and I, you know, I, it, yeah, we walked away fucking scot free laughing. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? You know, but it's it, so. it's it's always it's always the bands who are who are successful are saying, "Oh yeah, okay, I'm earning a million, but I should be earning two million. And it's like, well, there's other bands further down the food chain, like the rest of us, who are being financed by the same label. And the reason they're being financed by that label is because they're making money on your band. You know, it was a yeah. whole it was a whole ecosystem of. A record label is a business and invests in bands to try and make money. And if it works, great. Everybody, everybody gets rich. If it doesn't work, the label take the hit and you walk off. So yeah, yeah you a, know, it's a tangled web, isn't it? Well, not anymore. No, the web's fucked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a yeah. Web. Uh, exactly. Along came the World Wide Web and uh, and fucked that up. But um, <laughs> but well, well look, did it? I mean, you know. There's, there's, there's so many different ways to look at that. Yeah. yeah. Pros and cons. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, look, um, speaking of um, um, of pros and cons, <laughs> um, yeah, well, look, we've, um, I, could, I could quite honestly um, continue uh, jibber-jabbering to you for hours. And, uh, and actually, we, we do need to speak, so I will, I will wind this up now. Um, oh, w- one last question. Have you heard um, uh, the Acid Rain comeback single, Plan of the Damned? No, I haven't. Right, excellent. Right, you can fuck off then. Um, <laughs> end of interview. I mean, uh, end of interview. You yeah. cunt. You're not coming back on this again. Just cut that bit out and uh, ask ask me again. Okay. So, um, have you heard the uh, Acid Rain comeback single, Plan of the Damned? No, I haven't. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Oh, you fucking bastard. I completely fooled you there. I'm going to buy your book because I need some firelighters. <laughs> <laughs> to, be, to be fair... I, I really want to hear it, though. No, I haven't, I haven't read any of your books either, so do you know what I mean? It's like, you know, it, it, is, we're, we're, we're completely... Know, I've under- at least heard your demo and album, so absolutely, yeah, some kind of imbalance. No, you're right. I am a massive twat. I apologise. I'm, re- I'm really sorry. <laughs> But, um, you know, you said you were. You the, uh, do you still listen to vinyl then? Oh yeah, yeah right. I, I really like vinyl. Well, I've got a one, we've, we've got a one sided um, etched limited edition seven inch. So um, let's ooh, let's finish ooh. now. I'll get your address and I'll post your copy tomorrow. Yes, yes, please. Oh cool. God, etched vinyl. Yes, that's nice. That's, well, I mean, that's a, that's a, an unexpected. Uh, we could probably spend about another hour. Talking about the unexpected resurgence of vinyl, couldn't we? But, uh, uh, yeah, we could. Suffice to say, it's it, it's a good thing. Yeah, I think. Well, look, anything that gets people to spend money is is you know is good, is good. Yeah, and it's a lot harder to uh, to bootleg vinyl, isn't it? 
you know, and the general experience of vinyl, you know, it's kind of, it's an experience, isn't it? The general experience of vinyl, the, that experience being the fifth time you play it, it's got a fucking scratch on it, no matter how well you looked after it, and now you just never want to listen to it ever again because it's been ruined. Oh, yeah, yeah, there is that side <laughs> of it. But, uh, <laughs> but, you know, if you, if you download uh, Possessed's Beyond the Gates album, You'll know, you know, you won't experience the uh, incredible fold-out sleeve, which release, which re- reveals strange little pod people flowing through a, a true, chasm. True, true, but you um, know, and uh, oh, I must open that up at some point again. Oh yeah, but, do you know what? I've, that's that's that. It's almost like you've mentioned food. It's like, oh, I'm, I must listen to Beyond the Gates. Do you know what I mean? Oh yes, I, I, I fancy a bit of tribulation. Yeah, yes, yeah. yeah. Oh, do you know what? I bloody well do. <laughs> Oh, march or die, sir. Love <laughs> right, um, let, let's wrap it. <laughs> let, let's wrap it up. And uh, but I need to talk to you. so Don't go anywhere. All okay, right? Jason. Thank you very much for coming on the uh, on the podcast and talking bollocks so eloquently. Thank you so much, sir. And good day to you. Good day to you. And there you go. Um, that was very cool, wasn't it? I uh, hope you enjoyed that. I've, I've just got to point out, as, as I'm sure some of you noticed, um, as I just played the um, uh, the little bit of what I just recorded, and um, my hook right book to the back. Yeah, brilliant. Um, hook right back to the book, of course. So thanks for spotting that. Um, uh, yeah, really good to catch up with him again. I mean, uh, you know, I, 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 there's no point going on because you just uh, you just listen to the podcast. Um, uh, really good fun to catch up with him. Really, really good. Um, we, uh, yeah, it, it was just we actually share a lot of history, um, and yet we hadn't met until we bumped into each other in, at, at the academy. Um, so hopefully we'll uh, we'll get to do a gig or well you know comedically I was um I was I've just oh, fuck it I was in Brighton in January bastard I forgot to let him know ah oh, dear you see there you go there is I don't save my fucking stupid empty headedness just for the podcast it's it, it's in fucking life it's got so much going on honestly this month has been absolutely fucking insane it really has already um, there may be some big developments coming up. Um, not too sure. Can't tell you too much, but there, you know, there's, there may be shit happening, bro. So, um, so yeah, well, something that is happening is, um, next weekend, um, we're playing, cause I'm recording this on the Saturday, 23rd, this time next week, um, we'll be down in Norwich, down in Norwich, where they all have, where they all fuck each other. No, I don't know, what the fuck. Um, uh, so go down to Alan Partridge country to headline, uh, Thrashosaurus. Of course, if we get there, ha 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 ha, unless there's a huge car crash or something, but yeah, we're hoping to be there. We hope to, we hope to make it, we'd like to play, we'd very much like to be there. So, uh, you know. We'll see. And when I say we, of course, I mean acid rain. So, um, yeah, what else has been going on? Um, oh, yeah, just going back to Prince again. Um, yeah, I, this fucking really annoys me when people... What annoys me is when people say, um, oh, you know, so-and-so is dying or so-and-so is, like, in a coma or so-and-so is um, has got cancer and, it, you know, we, we you know, we we could really use your, you know, your prayers. And I just think, you know, oh, pray. And I said, well, really? Really? I mean, how's that? You know, A, scientifically proven to not help. And B, well, aren't you kind of asking for help from the force that could have prevented this? Or aren't you actually asking for help from the force that said that this is what should happen? 
you know, inverted commas, God's plan and all that. So, I don't know, it just seems a bit arrogant, really. Um, but there you go, I you know, didn't mean to strange religion, but what I did mean to say is, um, is where that came from was Michael Sweet um, of Striper, who had the fucking nerve to say something along the lines that, you know, Prince is in a better place, really. I'm sure all his family are chuffed to fuck he's dead, you cunt. Seriously, fuck off with that shit. And speaking of classless fucking cunts, um, Nikki Six. Yeah, Nikki Six of Motley Crue. It's not all thrash, is it? Nikki Six of Motley Crue, hey? From way back, suddenly decides this month is the month where he's going to slang off, slag off, slang off, slag off John Karabi and, uh, and the album they did with him um, when they booed Vince Neil out. I just think, how fucking classless do you need to be? What, you know, what, really? Did anybody need that? You know, you can just imagine old Karabi waking up, or whatever his name is, like waking up, and, and you know, all of a sudden journalists on it, you know, ringing him up, saying, oh yeah, so what do you think about Nikki Six slagging you off? And you just be sat there thinking, really? This week? Today? Now he's going to do that? Like, 20 years later? What's the fucking point? Seriously, what is the fucking point? No one cares. No one cared at the time. Well, there was plenty of people cared at the time. You know, unfortunately, that's the way it was. Um, and, and other classless bullshit, eh? Who the fuck didn't audition for ACDC? It sounds like they got... I mean, they were auditioning tribute band singers. Really? I mean, Axel Rose is bad enough. I mean, that is, you know, the guy from the Guns N' Roses tribute. Well, that's bad enough, but... He's a massive improvement. What were they fucking doing? I mean, Priest got away with it. But Priest got away with it because Halford went off and was doing his own band. You know, they were kind of like, they were forced into it. Brian Johnson, okay, has been has been forced into leaving. But to, to, to try and go and get a fucking Brian Johnston clone is just fucking ridiculous. And that whole thing has been handled so classlessly. Um, Roger Daltrey is, is just so fucking cool. He's come out and said some brilliant quotes about something like, um, uh, ACDC karaoke with Axl Rose. No thanks. It's fucking brilliant. Love it. Absolutely love it. Um, but yeah, it's just, honestly, it's just so much fucking classless bullshit going on at the moment in, you know, with bands and all that shit. Um, and one, th- look, now a plea, a plea from me, okay? A plea from me to you. This hasn't happened, um, I don't think, on the Talking Bollocks page yet, but it keeps happening on the Acid Rain page, it keeps happening on the Keith Pat page, on um, Facebook, and I'm also getting tweeted. Now, there's a picture out there on the internet of a piece of turf with uh, a kind of, uh, like, not a a fire hydrant, because we don't have those in the UK, but it's just, it's basically, it says where there's a... um, uh, where there's a water point, right? And it's and it looks like it's on this little piece of concrete that sticks up, so it looks like a headstone in front of this little piece of grass, and there's an H on it for hydrant, okay? If you are thinking of posting that on any of my social media, you can fuck right off, okay? Get in your car, right, and keep going... Until you drive into the fucking sea, whatever country you're in. I'm fucking sick of it. Honestly, about once a month, some fucking hilarious cock thinks it's going to be brilliant to post it on some of my social media and go, Hey, 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 look, oh no, oh no, it can't be true, he's dead, hey, is it H from Steps, is it you? Ha <laughs> ha! 
No, it isn't, you fucking cunt. You just found a picture that has existed on the internet for about five years, because that's how long ago it was that I first had that posted on my fucking wall. So, I'm sorry, I don't mean to use this podcast for purely selfish purposes. Bit late for that, Howard, isn't it? Yeah, I suppose so. You do fucking go on and on and on. Yeah, you do, and you do really not get anyone else on a podcast, and... Even when you are interviewing people, you still disagree with them and you just constantly want to get your point of view across. True. Yeah, but that's the conversational style of sort of interviewing I do. Don't call interviewing, you knob. There's no chance that's interviewing. It's just you trying to talk someone's face off. I think that's a bit harsh. That's a bit unfair. I do listen. We do get engaged in conversation. Yeah, but you kind of feel that you're waiting to speak as opposed to listening, and then you want to get your point of view across. Again, I think that's a bit harsh. Valid, probably in some of the early podcasts, but now I think I like to think of I've got a, a kind of way about it. Really? We'll just have to disagree on that then, you cunt. So there you go. Um, anyway, um, some interesting things coming up. Um, as you're probably aware, this isn't a writer's special. I am putting this out as a normal podcast, um, purely because, um, again, really, really busy, time pressures. Um, uh, but there is there is some cool things coming up. Um, there's two or three interviews slated for between now and next month, um, and it should be really, really cool. Anyway, I'm not going to gob off any more. Um, it's a chance for my and uh, Malcolm Doan's annual catch-up. Um, it was about a year since we since we spoke last, except this time, instead of some dodgy coffee shop, we're actually in a private members club on Dean Street in the heart of central London. And this is where you find Malcolm and I beginning to talk about the world of metal and where we left it last time. Here we are. Right, OK. Uh, um, yeah, I'll, I'll just turn us up a bit here. Um, oh, yeah, definitely. So, um, let's try and start, start again. There we go. Right, OK, we've got some decent levels. Uh, oh, no, I've got some <laughs> Too much levels. Too much can yeah. be more than enough, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's fine, that's fine, good. Okay, so, um, here we are again. Uh, I can't yeah. remember, is it over, it's probably about a year, just over a year since we met last time. I think it's a little less than a year, but not really? that much less. Actually, no, right. maybe you're right, maybe it is more than a year. It's, it's, it's flown high. Yeah. God, it's, it has. Yeah, hasn't it, Jess? Um, actually, last time I bought you a present, this time it's no different. Look at that. I bet you thought you'd... I know, an acid rain single. I bet you thought you'd escaped. Um, but no, no, I was determined to get you. And there you are. But yeah, that, that is me. Yeah. There's, there's me with all of the guys who weren't in it the first time round. Yes. The reimagining of acid that, 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 rain. Thank you very much. That's very kind. Absolute pleasure. It's... Um, it's uh, let me show you. It's on silver vinyl. Um, it's on silver vinyl cool. and has an etched Apple right, so logo on the back. So is it, it's a one-sided. So one, a one, yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, yeah, we're very one-sided. Or single-minded. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So is this out? Oh yes, it's out. Oh, cool. Yes, Thank yeah, you. yeah, yeah. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. Now we've. Um, we, uh, I mean, that came out, I think, um, October on vinyl. But we actually, we actually brought it out. Right. I mean, we brought the single out in the in the summer. Um, no drums were borrowed in the making of this single. This yeah. recording art. But you'll you'll appreciate the um, the very last line of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it is. Yeah, yeah you can pretty yeah. much. Uh, well, pretty old school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could you could imagine whose idea that was. Um, um, I'm just pointing out, um, by the way, there's a line there's a line on the back yeah, of the single oh, that says, yeah. 
there's the line on the back of the single that says um, copyright blah 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 reserve um, thanks for buying a product and not streaming it like a gun yes. so um, so uh, yeah anyway yeah. Um, and, and that sort of ties into a lot of stuff that we were talking about last time um, because I, I, uh, one thing that we that we, we we ended up sort of talking a bit about and I kind of wanted to revisit mm. slightly because it's incredibly relevant was the, the big four because we talked yes. a lot about the big four and of course uh, in my humble opinion three of the big four in the space of six months have delivered some of their finest work. I mean, you know, Repentance is, in my opinion, one of Slayer's better albums. Really? Yeah. Okay, fair okay. enough. Um, uh, well, uh, Megadeth, who, of yes, course, totally yeah, you, 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 were, you, were, you, were, you were a fan of Super, yes. Super Collider, and I was, I was a big hater, but, I, I, I mean, I never saw this coming. Dystopia is a... I agree with you. you know, I think it's excellent. It is, I think it? it's a step up from Super... To me... It's them doing their version of Another Perfect Day. Motorhead's Another Perfect Day. Oh, really? Yeah. That's an interesting... To me, that's what it... And it's a great record. It is. Excellent record. I mean, um, you know, Mustaine's politics aside... um, (sighs) I sometimes wonder what Mustaine's politics are, because it's so difficult sometimes to actually get to the bottom of what he's doing. I absolutely agree. It's... uh, it's, I I don't know, he always seems to be... his his politics always seem to be the politics of somebody who only reads the headlines. Yes, you know, I see what you mean. Um, I mean, I mean, it's the, it's the chorus of things. Um, uh, post-American world, mm. and you know, and, and the chorus is basically paraphrasing. Um, why, mm. why should why should we, you know, bow down to the less powerful? And it's just basically about well, you know. We should just be able to do whatever we like. Well, think God bless America, aren't we wonderful? Yes, yeah. etc. But whether yeah. he truly believes that, I'm not totally sure. But I, I think the thing with Dave Mustaine is he's an addict. Okay. Very talented. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, 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 and yeah, his yeah, addiction yeah. now is being born again. Yeah, yeah um, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, addicts have to have something they cling on to. Yeah. But having said that, Dystopia is a really powerful record. It is. It's it impressive. Is. I'm, I'm, I'm very. I, I am impressed. I'm impressed. I'm, I'm actually in the last episode. I, um, I, on his political views, I kind of came to the mm. conclusion. I thought he was sort of more like the Donald Trump of thrash. Ah, yes. <laughs> and yeah, that's frightening. That's, I, that's depressing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. A little bit depressing, but yeah. then what he really yeah. means deep down is difficult to to know and appreciate because he is such a complex. Yeah. Openly complex person. Everyone's yeah, complex, right. but he's openly complex, and it comes through in the way he writes songs, the way he plays, the way he hires and fires people from the band. And there was a whole controversy over whether or not Nick Menza and Marty Friedman were coming back. Yeah. And then yeah. Nick Menza pretty much said, "Oh, I was talking to yeah. about coming back," and suddenly I wasn't coming back. And it's obvious to me, Marty Friedman was the one they liked back. Yeah. And when Marty was coming back, it made sense to get Nick Menza back and do a reunion of that. But they, but they actually played with Nick Menza, and uh, as opposed to with with Marty, mm. they actually played and spent a couple of days playing with. Yes, him. and I, th- I think I think there's certainly a sort of yeah, you you know your your chops aren't up to it. Yeah, and I think in reality, when Marty Friedman yeah. pretty much said thank you, but no thank you, yeah. I think that's when Mustaine and Tillerson and Dave Ellison probably thought. Yeah, what was that? And what's the point of having Nick Menzer here? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, move on. on. Especially where you can go off and get Chris Adler. Yes. You know, that's, um, that's, that's, that's quite nice. Uh, but, you know, it, it's worked out. And there's also that thing about why go back? Because yes. if you went back and recreated the lineup, well, reunited that lineup, you would expect what they had before. 
yeah. would become yeah. a nostalgia trip. And that's it, all it, and it could it, be. It would have been a disappointment. They could, have, in fact, yeah. in fact, let's imagine this for a minute. Dystopia is a great album mm. and it's getting wonderful press and all yeah. of. But let's imagine for a second that it was it was Nick Menza and Marcy Friedman playing on it, and mm. and it was. Would it be getting that? You know, would there, would there be a sense of anticlimax? Would there? Oh, that's you, an interesting you, question. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't so, know. Is the yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm, I mean, I guess um, I mean it's a hypothetical, but um, it'd, be, it'd be very interesting. It'd be very interesting. It would have been intriguing to see what reaction it would have got. If it was as good as this, I suspect it would have been raved about. But then yeah. it would automatically be compared to the old days. Yes. And yeah. Probably being compared and maybe felt to be not quite up to the standard of the old days. Yeah, <coughs> yeah. it's a difficult one. <coughs> but, it's, it, but the thing is, it, it, as an album, it, it's, it, for me, it kicked on so far yeah. from from <coughs> where they were. I mean, you know, Super Collider. I found it just sounded like a. I, I mean, I know you liked it. I really liked Super Collider. For me, it was, just, it was it was a band that was just sounded like they were just uh, you know just disappearing up their own backsides. They weren't well. really sure. <coughs> I'd firmly disagree with that. I think yeah, they knew yeah. exactly what they were doing, and I really <laughs> love the album. However, Dystopia is better. Yeah, well, that we can agree. A lot better. That we can agree. And it's um, a real return, a, a real statement. Well, it, well, obviously, um, we uh, we're going to have to agree to disagree on Slayer. Then you're not. Uh, well, I don't like Repentance. So I have really? to say to me, there are four Slayer of four people, and one of them sadly will never come back. Jeff Hanneman, obviously, for, a, for, yeah. for reasons we know about. Yeah. Another one probably never will. Dave yeah. Lombardo and Kerry King and Tom are out on their own they're not slayer and Repentance to me sounds like a nothing album <laughs> really? sorry I'm not impressed right uh, okay well to yeah. me slayer oh no more well that's uh, that's yeah that's that's, that's personal that's, opinion yeah yeah I know absolutely and I think and more you know, you're not on any, your own more than anyone else of the big four they are the band who rely on a core which is the lineup. and without those four together it isn't slayer yeah not well, for me um, having said that, a lot of people agree with you. A lot of people have said they like Repentless when they played in London at the end of last year, Bristol Academy, packed. I was there. Absolutely sold out. Yeah, yeah, and and they were good. They were really. <coughs> people really, who saw them really said really they really good. enjoyed it. So yeah, fair play to them. But uh, well, well, supporting <laughs> su- supporting them on that right. Um So yeah, what are your thoughts on For All Kings? Really like the album. Really, it's great. Really like what they've done. Yeah, Joey Belladonna singing better than the other I was just going to say, it's, I mean, um, I, I, um, I gave it to one of our guitarists to have a listen to, and um, I said, well, "What do you think then?" And he said, "And he said it's a very Joey album." Yes, it is. I think it is. It's yeah. almost like Joey is finally coming to his own. <laughs> yeah, because he's singing in the way he wants to. He's very melodic, very powerful, and it's a really strong album, full of very good songs. It's a very um, and funnily enough, I saw I saw um, Frank Bello say this, and I, th- I didn't really I didn't really get it. But then, having listened to the album, I get it. When he said he's, it's a very metal album, yes, um, it is because it's I don't it, it's it's not a it's not a thrash album. No, not at all, not at all. You know, it, it, there's it relies on a lot of a lot of very strong melody and a lot mm. of massive, a lot of big solid choruses. Yeah, it's not thrash in any way, shape, or form. Mm. But why should it be? It doesn't need to be. They're not trying to recreate um, 
the old days, stated before, or spreading the disease or any of those albums, they're just not trying to do that. Yeah. What they're trying to do is come up with something that's um, of, the, of the moment, of its time. Yeah. And they've done it. It's well, a so really good album. Well, funnily enough, I, I, got to speak to, um, I got to speak to Scott um, uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, in fact, it might have been, even been last week. And, um, yeah, he was over last week and in London. That's it, yeah. And, um, and I... You know, um, he he was very much all about. Look, it was, you know, we wrote it the same the same way we've always mm. written. It was me, Frank, and Charlie in a room. Yeah, that's all. That's the way they've always done music it. that makes us bang our heads, and that's that's it. Yeah, but I think yeah. in their mind also might have been, what's Jerry going to be capable of? Yeah, I have a feeling that more than they have done before, they actually thought about what can Jerry do. Yeah. And yeah. I think it's come through because they really created an album that Joey found sounds comfortable with. Yeah, and yeah. he's really pushing himself. Who's being pushed, and that's great. Yeah, and it's and it, I mean, it, yeah, you, you can't write in isolation. You can't just no. write, write music and then go, "Oi, singer, come over here." Like, well, do you, that. You can in theory, but then the singer becomes irrelevant, and you end up basically with an album that doesn't really function. Yeah, on absolutely. That level yeah, because it doesn't showcase the singer the way that singer should be showcased. But yeah. I think they've created an album that suits Joey. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I've, I, I, it threw me at first. It took a two or three listens before it it really grew on me. And mm. initially, I was disappointed. Initially, I was like, mm, I'm really not sure about this. But it quickly grew on me. And, yeah, um, uh, yeah, yeah I mean, and also, uh, uh, Frank Bellow was playing on it. Is, yeah. is I mean everyone is I just get the feeling yeah. we'll never before that especially funnily enough maybe compared to worship music where everybody's performing at such a high level yeah they're, they're all doing it at a really really good level yeah. I think bands go through this so if you're around long enough you go through a fallow period you go through a dip where you really are coasting a little bit and not really impressing but you suddenly get a second or third or fourth wing and come storming back Aerosmith did it yeah yeah absolutely yeah. more and than I, once well, I, 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 well I, said, I said to Scott I think, I think um, we've come for you all worship music and for all kings you can make a case for that being Anthrax's three you know their, their, their strongest you've got a fair of, point you know yeah those are three really killer records, aren't they? Just absolutely they? killer and, records. But, and I and I think I didn't want to sort of play on it too much to Scott, but I I think it all started with "We Come for You All." Yes, I mean, I mean obviously of those group of three, but I think the new level, yes, the I new agree. level, that was star- superb album. stunning album. But the, the problem was, it was at a time when their stock was falling. Yeah, and people were looking at John Bush and thinking, "Oh, we don't really like what he does with that interaction." Yeah, which is a shame he, because he was very good. He was, but again, I mean, I you know, uh, the sound of white noise yes. signaled signaled me leaving the Anthrax camp. I just oh just no, not, I, I really really like the sound of white noise. Oh, I wish I could really, get into that. Really like that album. Yeah, I think it gave them a real boot up the arse and took them in a new direction. Um, it, yeah, it, which they needed. Uh, well, they did, and, and, I, and I mean, you, you could say that with if they tried to just plow on with Joey, mm. then they they would have just withered on the vine as a as just a, another old sort of thrash band. But I think I think John Bush's <coughs> range gave them, a, a, you know, a kind of basically more wood to work with. You know, yes, I think it, I think it did, and I think the John Bush era when he came in the early nineties was really good, and they made some very strong albums, but. 
the stock was waining. Uh, I think yeah, the whole yeah. thrash thing was waning at the time. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. They were dipping with it, uh, and John never was given the credit he would deserve. But also, let's forget, worship music was originally done with Dan Nelson, yeah, was, Dan not Nelson. Joey, who we who we who we both watched at that, um, yes, that London show. Was great. Yeah, yeah. And I thought yeah. gave him a real kick up the arse that they needed at the time and really suggested the future of Anzac is incredibly bright and then suddenly he's not there yeah. for whatever reason depending on who you believe <laughs> do, you, do you know anything about that by no the way? all I know is the two different stories and it yes. depends on who you believe really maybe the truth somewhere between the two I don't know yeah, um, yeah. I guess but there is apparently a full album of worship music with Dan Nelson singing that's never been released whether it still exists or they scrapped it, literally scrapped it, I don't know. It's, yeah, I mean, you'd, I would, you'd have thought if it was going to leak, it would have leaked by now. So, yeah. You know. um, I suspect that it may be in the vault somewhere, and at the moment, our tracks don't want to know about it, but who knows? Maybe in 10 years' time, they'll reissue worship music and decide to put double some disc. of those yeah, double disc. bonus discs here with the Dan Nelson yeah. recordings. I don't know. Well, that, do you know what? I doubt it because they wouldn't want to give him any money. Yeah, it's <laughs> probably got something not, to not do with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's a fair point. However, for all kings, really does mark a moment. I think when they've actually reached a new level, like yeah. Megadeth, they've moved on. Yeah. The past isn't weighing them down anymore, and they've moved forward really impressively. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I completely now agree. Now let's see what Metallica do. Well, that was that's the next one, isn't it? Yeah, that was going to be my next kind of point. Yeah, it's it's kind of like, well, we're all looking at you. Yeah, I think people are. I mean. March the 3rd, which is the day after the day we're talking, yeah. 30th anniversary of the release of Master of Puppets. Tomorrow? Yes, tomorrow wow. is the 30th anniversary. And I'm, and I'm sat here chatting to the guy who invented the term thrash metal. Well, hey, how I, perfect I, I, is I that? I have nothing to do with Master of Puppets. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. Me neither. No. Me, yeah. <laughs> However, I, I, I still love that album. I still Actually, that's wrong, to be fair. I did buy a copy. That's, oh, no, I, I love the album. Yeah, I love yeah. it. But it, it's interesting. Wow. Which, um, a lot of people are now looking at Metallica saying, okay, over to you, what can you do? You're right, I mean, we disagree on Slayer, but certainly agree on Anthrax and Megadeth, and there are still people who feel that Repentance is a very good Slayer album. Yeah. Um, people are looking at Metallica, when was the last time Metallica made a really good album? Yeah. The Black Album? Uh, to be fair, probably. Well, Loader really both had their moments, I thought both had some good moments. Yeah. So now, I think but ultimately, they are patchy, and you can tell yeah, they that you can tell they're two sides of the same coin. Yeah. They're sort of, you know, one big session that where it all came out. Yeah, to be honest. And then, and then they, there was some really patchy sort of areas of their career with the whole putting box sets out, and loads of box sets. S and M, which was an interesting oh, idea. Oh, hang on, I, I have to say. That's one of my favourite things they've ever done. Uh, it's an interesting album. I, I love think it. What worked in it were the new tracks because they mm. weren't in the correlation with the orchestra yeah. and, came with and came up with something that was really intriguing. The, the older stuff, for me, didn't work, not because it couldn't work, but because it seemed that. The band and the orchestra were never working in coherence. Oh, guy, okay. yeah. There was no cohesion between I, them. I, could, I couldn't but disagree more. Yeah. I love a it. good idea, nonetheless. And, uh, yeah, definitely. And Garage Inc. has some very good moments as well. But, like you say, it's, it's wow. That is really kind of sobering if you think. What was it? When's but the last there again, time? SM was a live album of old, mostly old material. So Absolutely. It wasn't in the studio. Yeah, yeah, no, no, certainly. Uh, St. Anger was universally panned. 
Um, yeah. Death magnetic to me is worse because it was them trying to think about what people want from us rather than going to see this is what we want to do. At least an anger was their rubbish. Well, do you, know, do you know what? I agree to a certain extent. I think it's a 50 50. I think, I, think, um, I think that they. Uh, yeah, that I think they wanted to to be. I think they I think they wanted to. Uh, uh, they knew what they wanted to do, as in, we want to we want to we want to go. We're going to go back to our thrash roots. We're going to we're going to essentially put out a thrash record. But, but we don't. Really but, do but, but we don't know how. Yeah, but this is the problem. It's almost as if Rick Rubin, well, Rick Rubin said it himself. I sat the guys down and said, Remember, imagine it's 1985 and you're sitting yeah. in the basement or in a garage. Well, you've got to get in the Battle of the Bands competition or something. And you think, you're talking to people who are multimillionaires who are far removed from 1985 and you're trying to get them to recreate 1985. That's a little bit ridiculous. Yeah. And I think it came across, it's not as if it's rubbish, but it just doesn't ring true. It's hollow. Yeah. and it is them trying to be what they think the diehard fans wanted them to be for the first time in their career because they've always done what they want Yeah, this is what we're doing and we don't like it fair enough, just don't buy it or don't come to the show um, this was like saying oh we, we want to be liked and it didn't work and mind you that was a while ago right? it's about seven years yeah, isn't seven it? years since they did that yeah. and it looks like the new album may even be a year off yet they're not yeah. rushing it which is fair enough they don't need to no, um, although well, they, they 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 do all their their you know escape from the studio, yeah, which, which is the which is the usual, the time, which they yeah. do, yeah, yeah, which they do every year, even when they're not in the studio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, but also, I think they've they've taken some big. This is a very key album. So they've taken some big financial hits. Yeah, the, the festival the festivals yeah, really didn't go well. But then of course it was through the never, which yeah. absolutely emptied the bank account by all. Uh, not so just empty the bank bank account, but was panned and flopped. Yeah, and I, I haven't seen it. I've, I've been told that the story that makes no sense whatsoever. It's a waste um, I, of time. I've got to be honest. I've, uh, I saw it at the cinema. Um, I bought the DVD, the Blu-ray, the three so DVD. Blu-ray. <laughs> and, yeah, so I've, I'm I'm basically paying I'm paying mortgage payments for yeah. Lars. Yeah, um, but no, it, I mean I I really really like it, and also think it, it really benefits from 3D, which which is quite rare for any film. But there's no doubt that. When you're watching, when you, for me, when you when you when you're watching the um, the the live stage bits, that you're, apparently you're, works. You're, you're enjoying, really yeah. enjoying it. Yeah. And then and then it goes to the story, and you think, no, I want to watch more of the live stuff. But then when you start watching the story, you think, oh, this is good. And then it goes back to the live, and you go, no, I'd like to have seen more of the story. Do you know what I mean? I was just getting into that, and and there there is a little bit of that, and and it's very it is very up its own ass. It's got a ridiculous ending, um, but also it, it's quite telling that they've kept their their vision pure by the fact that when you get the when you get the when you get it on disc, you can't play them separately. You can't play you can't play the live show right. and and, uh, and or and or just the movie. You which you think you'd be able to do? You thought someone they might yet do that. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I kind of feel that maybe they would have been pressed into that mm. had it been something that somebody else had a big chunk of money in, like the record label, and they'd say, "Look, guys, you've got to do that." Yes, you've probably got the because point, yeah. you know because you whereas because they've kept other people's finance out of it, they said, "No, we, yeah. we're 
we're going to keep this pure. Because they put other people's finance on the back burner, as it were. They ended up taking a massive financial hit themselves. Yes. How much? I don't know. But enough of them to think, oh God, what are you going to do now? I, I genuinely think, I think there's, um, there's certainly a certain amount of hubris that they went into the project with, which they don't have anymore. Because, uh, because what, they, they had the mind of such, whatever they yeah. touched has always worked. You know, not okay. You know, same anger. <laughs> um, but but they have. I mean, they've they've done things other bands haven't done. They yeah. oh, don't yeah. know what other bands can do. Well, let's be, face it. Government credit was saying this is our idea, our vision. We're putting our money into it, so we do it our way. And again, that is Metallica style. So while it may or may not have worked, you've got to give them credit for something. Yes. Well, let's do it our way. Yeah. And the only reason way of knowing we can do it our way is if we finance it completely. So no one else can say this is how we see it. Yeah, yeah, and nobody can. Yes, which is the metallic way. This is what we do. This is how we do it. If we like it, great. If we don't, that, well, that, that that is the metallic way until, as you rightly point out, until um, Death Magnetic, where it's not. Yes. It's they get somebody in and say, actually, we want to do this our way, but we don't know what our way is. Can you show us? I, I think Rick Rubin was the wrong person to produce it anyway. He yeah. was never the right person to produce Death Magnetic. He talked to Slayer about Death oh, Magnetic. Kerry King talked nothing nice to say about well, Death things I, I would love, I would love them to have gone with a contemporary yes. like and you know like an, an Andy, Andy Sneak. Yes, you know He's, he would have been my choice. He'd have been. I mean, he'd have been perfect. Yes, he and knows. he wouldn't have said any shit. No, he would have and actually told said, them absolutely what to do. Yeah, well, I've certainly told him this is the way he sees it and would have pushed the band more than anyone else. Whether Rick Rubin, I don't know, but he has a reputation of not being in the studio very often when he's producing a band. Oh, he's all about the making artists feel comfortable so yeah. they can create. Andy Sneak would have been there right on the spot saying, look, I'm a Metallica fan, I know you can do that so much better. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah. And he would have been a great choice, but yeah. again, they're working in the studio with Rick Rubin on the new album. Uh, we'll see what they come up with. But again, it's like you know, I kind of think. Well, if you want to, if you want to be the old you, if you if you are going to do this whole thrash thing, then get a contemporary fr- who yes. knows that world and has grown with it, rather than somebody who hasn't got a clue and has only ever worked with one band in it, and they don't want anything to do with them. No, not at all. No. So, you know, uh, well, well, funnily enough, Corey Taylor's not got a, a, a very nice things to say about him either. No, uh, a lot of people who've worked with Rick Rubin have not had many. Uh, some producers you get to bands hate, but they hate because he pushes them so, or she pushes them so much that they hate the way they react with this person. But the, the ultimate thing is, what you get out of it is superb. Yeah. But Rick Rubin, it's yeah. <laughs> Mind you, having said that, he has. I mean, I mean, you know, the, the the list of things that he's been involved with that have been, you know, phenomenal goes on. I mean, you know, he yeah, he relaunched Johnny Cash. And Neil he Diamond. relaunched Neil, Neil Diamond. Twelve yeah, songs. Those what people, an album. Yeah, those what people. He was superb with because I think he went in as a fan. Blood Sugar Sex Magic, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah, again, again, that was a really good album. You're yeah. totally right. He's done some very good. Let's say Raining Blood's phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Has, but you get the feeling it worked Neil Diamond and Johnny Cash because he went in as a die-hard fan of these people. Yeah. In the same way that Andy Sneak would go with Metallica. 
but, um, but he was also so, able to. Uh, but he was also able. Uh, the weird thing is yeah, what we're yeah, what we're talking about here is like you know the, the lack of the contemporary aspect. He 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 made Neil Diamond and Johnny Cash contemporary again. Yeah. You know he yep. he brought them. He updated yes. them, but with Metallica, he's saying let's go back to 1985. I know. I think this is because he doesn't quite understand Metallica or metal. And I think yeah. his way of looking at it was you were really successful in the 80s, weren't you? So let's go back to that. <laughs> and so rather than thinking, no, well, what I'm going to do is drag you kicking and screaming into 2016, but in doing so, make you harder than you've been for years. Yeah. Contemporary, but with uh, an edge that goes back and nods to the past. And yeah. He didn't do that. Well, that, well, as you were talking there, I was, I was reminded of just some of the, just some of the, the sheer weight and the sound on the dystopia. Mm. Um, you know, yes. I mean, it's a great sounding. Yes, it's, it's you know. got a superb sound. It's also not over long. Mm. Yeah, in yeah, this yeah. day and age, we've been going on now for for years with this. Oh, CDs have more space in it. We can put seventy minutes of music on rather than forty minutes in the vinyl era. So we'll do it, and you end up with out fifteen, sixteen tracks long. And you think lose five or six tracks? Yeah, because there's a lot of filler there. Yeah, and yeah. they don't have it with dystopia. No, no, it's, it's so it is a vinyl era album. Yeah, in many respects. Well, well, actually, coming coming back to um, well, we, you know, we, we've talked about the uh, you know Megadeth kind of coming back as it were, and, and Anthrax really strong. Let's let's flip that coin all the way around to um, Richie Blackmore coming back. Yes, yeah. uh-huh. <laughs> who would have thought? Well. And, and to be fair, quite disappointingly, let's be honest. Well, I, I, it's not the lineup everybody wanted well, what to see. What lineup everyone wants to see? Well, not the one that he's proposing. There you yeah, go. but what lineup? Well, if Jolene Turner was involved, if if Graham Bonnet was yeah, involved, yeah, Graham Bonnet, I agree with. You know, I don't think anyone cares about Jolene Turner being involved, in, apart from Jolene Turner, who blew it so badly himself by opening his big mouth more than once and saying, "Oh, I'm that game, but Rainbow for me with me." He did it uh, last year at the Borderline, last Easter at the Borderline in London. Went on stage, yapping away, opening his big mouth, going on about how he and Richard Blackmore were getting together, writing new songs, and Rainbow were reforming with him. And Blackmore just said, we told you before, shut up, so that you're out. Right. Um, and I think he blew it for himself. Yeah. Um, Jolene Turner's a good singer and did a good job with a very commercial rainbow. For me, the only guy to front the band, and sadly, no longer can, would uh, be yeah, Ronnie yeah, Dio. Yeah. Uh, well, and Ronnie uh, James Dio and Richie Blackmore getting back together again, would have been enormous. Oh, now that would have been. That would have been festival headlining stuff. Yeah. And I, I've had a theory for ages, because Ronnie always said, as unfinished business between me and Richie, I'd love to work with him again. And I think Blackmore kept saying no because he knew he could. And when sadly Ronnie died nearly six years ago now, suddenly Blackmore lost the opportunity to keep saying no because he couldn't anymore. It was taken yeah. away from him. Yeah. Um, now, of course, there is a theory he's got a bunch of pretty much unknowns because they're cheaper. Um, I don't think he's done Roger Ramirez, many famous new singer, because uh, he keeps going on about how he's an amazing Freddie Mercury mutes, Ronnie James Dio singer. Do you really want to have that? No, no, a new guy? no, no, not at all, not at all. I mean, to me, I'm heard him with Laws of Black and band Roger Ramirez. Sounds quite good. Yeah, and I'm sure he can do a decent job with Rainbow and Purple stuff. But do you really want to 
actually weigh him down with this um, expectation that he's going to go on stage and be Freddie Mercury and Ronnie James Steele rolled into one? Really? Yeah, not really. I don't no. think it's a good idea. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm sure they'll be very confident. I think for most people, most people are going to see Richard Blackmore pick up the guitar and play Purple and Rainbow songs again. And I don't really care who's in the band as long as they're competent. And yeah. I'm sure they will be competent. I'd love to sing Red Bonnet personally. Yeah, no, I, I would. I think it would be nice. I love Down to Earth. Yes, I One do. One of my favourite Rainbow albums. Yeah, I do. I'd I do. love to see him doing it. Joe Lynn Turner, I could have lived without. Um, yeah, I mean, he, Difficult to Cure, Bent Out of Shape were good albums. Absolutely no question about it. They, they were definitely good albums. But I think Joe Lynn Turner, whatever he says now, and he's opening his big mouth again about what went wrong and what should have happened, yeah. I think he blew it for himself by keeping going public long before Blackmore was ready, saying, we are reforming and I'm in the band. Um, I mean, do you think... I mean, I, I just can't... I can't understand what motivates somebody to, to do that, other than, you know, they, they, they think they're unsure of their position, so if they put it in the public... In the public domain, it, it's well, putting pressure on them to stay, but it's had the opposite effect. Well, that might work with some people. But Joe, yeah. Turner, Joe worked with Blackmore often enough and long enough to know that doesn't work with Blackmore. And if anything, it will drive Blackmore the other way. So, now you know that. Well, not, well, not only that. We're talking about we're talking about a guy who walked away from metal how many years ago and has done over twenty. You, you know, absolute. This man, this is not somebody who does things they don't want to do. No, Richard Blackmore has always said what he wants to do. Uh, I think he'll be great. I think he'll perform really, really well. He's doing 70% rainbow, 30% purple. I think it will go down phenomenally well. And the fact that there isn't a known singer with the band, I think most rainbow fans would shrug their shoulders and say, well, I've not yet come across anybody who said, oh, without Joe and Turner, what's the point? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No one has said that. Um, uh, uh, but what about all this? What about all this um, rock and roll hall of fame <laughs> rubbish? <laughs> yeah, hey? Oh, this is just beginning pathetic. It, I mean, one it, this thing about bands, else. though, isn't it? This thing about bands—you've well, seen it so many years. Nothing I'd changes. I'd love somebody to explain something. Hall of Mark Two are being inducted. Totally right. Mark Three are being inducted. Totally right. Rod Evans and Mark One's being inducted, and you can include John Lord, Richard Blackmore, and Ian Pacer and Mark One. There's one person missing from Mark One, Nick Simper, who was on the three albums of Mark One, as was Rod Evans. So why isn't he being inducted? Why has he been snubbed, overlooked? Rod Evans is being inducted, and I'm not, I, I like Mark One Purple a lot, and Rod Evans, I've got no problem with him at all. But they snubbed Nick Simper. Why? That's really, that makes no sense to have me. You, have, you, have you been able to do any digging on that? Well, Nick himself doesn't know. He just shrugged his shoulders and said, oh, it doesn't really matter. I'm not sure why I've been left out, but it's not as if it's the end of the world or anything like that. Um, yeah, but, that, but you're right. That's, that's, that's the one that no one's talking about. That's the one that's me. Like you, you could even make a case of saying Mark IV was Tommy Berlin, but it's one album. It was a bit of a chaotic period of purple and I could maybe understand why they shoved Mark Four a little bit to the side but, but, Mark, yeah, but one, Mark One that's the, that's the line that gets that, 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 that played toilets and that you know, gets you signed they did three albums yeah. good albums and it's not if Rod Evans had been overlooked as well they took, again Mark's two and three alright fair enough but Rod Evans is there so why not Nick Simper so we're actually going to have but so there's going to be no Richie Blackmore well will there well at present this is where the whole thing got confusing Blackmore saying Purple's management had banned him or Blackmore's representatives saying Purple's management had banned him 
the Hall of Fame president is saying, well, Kirkland Punishment, no position to ban anyone who's being inducted, and Richard Black was very welcome. At which point, Purple came back and said, no, no, what we said is we want only the living, breathing Deep Purple, either Carol Glanner, to play live. None of the others. Ah. Um, but there again, it's... Well, but, that's your, that's the, but that's your kiss issue again as well, isn't it? Uh, about, it is. And, about, and, and, but all, all they're trying to do... All they're trying to do is what kiss was saying. They're trying to protect the current yeah. brand. Breathing. And uh, they have said that John Airy and um, Steve Morse and the current lineup should be inducted. And they're upset and disappointed at not being included. No disrespect to Don and Steve, who are both very fine musicians, and Purple now a really good life. But to most people, Purple's reputation and legend was made yeah. a long time ago. And the Hall of Fame isn't about, is it, about what's currently happening? It's about the past, really. Yeah. And given that, I think there should be a situation, okay, have the current living, breathing Purple do one song, then get... Coverdale, Hughes and Blackmore up yeah. to do Burn, although whether Ian Ginn would like to be sidelined for that, I don't know, I'm Roger Glover, yeah. uh, and then get the whole entourage on to the smoke in the water. Well, do you know what, I think in this scenario that um, I think you're seeing what a, what a glorified shop window the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is, um, because if they actually had any balls and if they cared what they would do, would they would they would issue their their pronouncements along with right, you're in the Hall of Fame, and here's what we want to see from you, and if you don't agree to that, you ain't it. Well, I'd love someone to explain who decides which members of a band should be inducted or not. Well, this is what I'm is saying. It yeah, Fame who decides. Is it in collaboration with the band, the current band, or management? Uh, because I do remember when ACDC was inducted all those years ago, Mark Evans was initially going to be inducted, and then ACDC had him removed. Yeah. Um, so presumably ACDC had the right to say, we don't want him being inducted. Well, I think this is what the this is what the whole the whole band thing is doing. Well. I mean, the, because you had um, when when Tiger inducted, they mm. they said, well, look, we we. Dave Mustaine was invited, but he wasn't going to be getting up and playing with them mm. because he never played. They, they drew the line at if you, if you, yeah, unless you're and on I an can album. See that, and I can see that exactly. Because, um, but I can also see why Mustaine said, "Actually, do you know what? I'm okay. I'm not going to. No, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to come. No, exactly. But you know, um, but so obviously they can. Obviously, bands can. But really, does anyone care who's inducted into the rock and roll movement? Does it make any difference to Deep Purple? Well, quite clearly, with the amount of rows that have been going on between it's bands who get nominated. I, I think it, it strikes at the very core of, of, of what being the band is about, which is yes. how important am I? Mm. Yeah, because there's well, you know because 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 the singer will always turn around to the rest of them and go, "You're the backing band," just so you know. Yeah, and your your main songwriters will always turn around to your singer and go, "You're nothing." Yeah. You're, you're always going to have yeah yeah you're always going to have that with it. Ultimately, yeah, it seems to strike right at that that. That dynamic of what do you well, mean? It just one seems person to bring up the worst in bands. Had yeah, yeah, this is what I'm saying. Had it yeah. in Kiss, you had yeah. it now with Purple. It just seems to bring up the very worst rather than bringing people together. It actually fragments them. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and this is hilarious. But this is what. But this is what exactly. This is exactly what I mean by by. Um, 
uh, what it, it just it plays straight to ego. It plays straight well, to how important are you in the band? And what part plays you think, How has it taken this long for the Hall of Fame to recognise Deep Purple? How is it Nuptice, like Green Day, have been inducted before Deep Purple? Well, hang on, hang on. It was it, Rush only managed it last year. Yeah, and Rush only last year. It was it's possibly the greatest insane. acceptance speech ever by Alex Lifeson as well. Well, uh, um, but I'm, I'm, you know, Green Day are very successful, good at what they do. But in, in the giant terms of things, why are they in there before? Yeah. Deep, oh yeah, no, before no, Rush. Oh, absolutely. Before I made. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, well, I, I well, or well, Priest. But that, again, that was the great thing about, um, I think, when, when Metallica were inducted, what I liked about that was that each member read a list of bands that they felt mm. should, yeah. should, be, should, should be up there. And funny of them, one of them was Rush and one of them was Deep Purple. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, it's, it doesn't matter. I mean, no, you no, know. Ultimately, it doesn't. It's rather yeah. Any awards, does it really matter if you get an award or not? Really? Does it make you feel better about yourself? Does it elevate you to a new status? Yeah. No, not really. Yeah. It's all rubbish when it comes down to it. Deep Purple don't need to be in a Hall of Fame to know what, how important they've been, how influential they've been. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Uh, and the same applies to our maiden, the same applies to a lot of bands who maybe deserve to be recognised in that respect and haven't been and also to the likes of Rush who've only just been acknowledged yeah. or Yes or Genesis any of those bands yeah. it, they don't need it but it, right, it's too much like hassle and things like the worst in people Blackmore yeah. most certainly won't turn up now yeah. um, and it, it diminishes it in a way but you haven't got Richie Blackmore there Richie Blackman and John Lord was a full common crux of that band. John Lord sadly obviously won't be there, for, yeah. so he won't have either of them there. So great. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 insane, isn't it? I know. And, um, but funnily enough, you know what? Last time we last time we were talking, uh, our conversation sort of came to a sort of natural end mm. um, as we were talking because we were talking about about people. Um, uh, saying, oh, I don't like heavy metal, and saying, yeah, but I bet you know. You look in their record collection, and you find like you know a seven inch of since you've been gone or something like yeah, that, and yeah, they wouldn't. And, yeah. and 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 we, I, I remember saying it's like we, we kind of got to the point. It's like right, where does where does metal begin? Where does it end? And at that point, we kind of like trailed off. And you said, right, well, to be continued next yeah, time. Yeah, so I've it, got you. That's a really difficult question to answer. Because it is. Does it begin then? But everyone, because but everyone who listened to the first podcast, metal, Malcolm, is expecting you to have the answer. What to a this. rainbow heavy metal band. But well, yeah, it was rather right, like one in the early days of Koran. We almost didn't have a definition of what should be. We knew what should and shouldn't be in there. So yes. you could yeah, have Slayer and Celtic Cross. And on the other hand, Foreigner and Journey all belong. It's guitar-driven emotional music that's very big. Yeah. And I think that's what it comes down to. And also guitar-driven emotional music that somehow the taste makers, the trendsetters, ignore. <laughs> yeah. Thankfully. Because AOR, now from where Foreigner and Journey and Ario Speedwagon and so many other successful bands come Asia Asia absolutely <laughs> don't forget Asia no I'd never forget Asia but it's ignored even yeah. though it's hugely successful I laugh at the fact that you go along to um, 
at nights when uh, people like Alex Milos and Jerry Ewing are DJing uh, anywhere and they've got a lot of diehard metal heads there and they all know North Africa by Toto yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. One of them. it's yeah. hilarious yeah. and they're not ashamed or embarrassed to sing them and go yeah <laughs> but it seems to be regarded as oh this is not the sort of music we laugh at AOR we laugh at glam rock we laugh at metal really yeah it's always, it's always it's, it has a I think it's a cartoonish kind yeah, of um, perception of the of it. from the mainstream yeah metal has to have a cartoonish perception it's larger than life yeah, yeah. and great metal laughs at itself it is a joke in one way in the best mm. possible way um you know, you, you got bands like how can you take bands like Black so Sabbath yeah, seriously? <laughs> yeah. every, I mean, great musicians, great band, but there's also that humorous um, element yeah, to it. Like, I mean, the same yeah, with Metallica, the same with Maiden. There is that humour to it. There's that ability yeah. to laugh at life. Yeah. Maybe that's yeah. part of what exactly. differentiates so, um, metal from everything else. But obviously, it's guitar tuned, yeah, and written by virtuosos, people who really can play. Yeah. Well, that was funnily enough. That was the thing when when thrash really kicked off that was the that was the thing wasn't it it's like these guys are playing so fast we don't know like whether we, we don't know if they're any good or not yeah, you know as musicians they became it. but exactly it, it, it became the standard well, yeah you, you've got I mean who did Michael Jackson turn to when he needed top class guitarists yeah. Steve Lucas Eddie Van Halen Slash <laughs> yeah <laughs> those sort of people yeah, because absolutely. they knew they could actually really deliver something that was special. Well, there's a real there's a real span of influence, and I think yeah. I also think within within <coughs> the music industry, within you know within bands, as it were, um, uh, metal is recognised, and it and it does and it and, and it does get recognition. Um, and uh, funnily enough, I was reading John Lydon's second autobiography. Yeah, um, there's one every enough. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. One every, one every twenty years, and um, uh, it's called Anger is an Energy. And funnily, funnily enough, um, within two weeks of Lemmy and Bowie dying, I read I read his book, and the boat and the two of them got a message. Got got a mention in the same chapter. Funnily enough, um, but he was saying that um, what, one of the uh, one of the one of the only people who ever took time out to try and get um, uh, Sid proficient mm. on the bass Lemmy. Yeah, yeah. was Lemmy, mm. and um, and he yeah. said, "I'll never forget yeah. what he said to me." He always said, um, "He said that kid's got that kid's got a great attitude, no talent, and he's tone deaf. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be fine." <laughs> yeah, that's how the sort of thing Lemmy would say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Would have said. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. Um, it's been, a, it's been a, a fairly bad year so far, hasn't it? For Unfortunately, it's the nature of the beast in terms of the age that a lot of the the icons and heroes now are. That old yeah. age will catch up with, already has, well, we will, a succession of them. Yeah, I mean, funnily enough, I remember on our last podcast we were talking about, like, you know, bands getting back to doing what they're what, what they're best at mm. and people wanting to see you know original lineups and like Maiden doing you know doing tours where they just play old stuff mm. you know and things like that um, and and yeah, yeah it, it makes you realise that you've got to do it while you can yeah absolutely you never know what tomorrow's going to bring yeah and uh, Maiden have always done it brilliantly because in recent years they've done one tour where we're going to play mostly new stuff yeah and another tour we're going to play nostalgia so they well, balanced it out nicely. And, and 
I, funnily enough, I, I ended up on a whole Iron Maiden tip. Yeah. I was talking to um, uh, Scott Ian last week. Um, and because I, I, I just yeah. I said to him, look, oh, by the way, what do you think of Book of Souls? Because I thought, you, you know, you know what it's like. You get, so, yeah, uh, you know, he's yeah. he's on the publicity treadmill. Yeah, of course. And yeah. you get, you get so bored of talking about the same things. Yeah, yeah. And of course, course, as soon as we went off topic, yeah. and I started asking him about doing his, his spoken word talks yeah. and things like that. It's a lot more effusive, and um, and we and I said to him, so what do you think to Book of Souls? And he was like, oh man, it's great. And, all this. Mm. and then he was telling me that right. they were. They were touring with him, and I was like, oh, that's brilliant, that's great. So you, you don't get to go on the plane, do you? And he was like, yeah, yeah, we're, we're on the plane. Every <laughs> and it was, it was like, it was just like talking to, yeah. to, a, you know, to a fellow fan who's oh, just yeah, like, won some tickets. Yeah, yeah. And gone, we're on the plane. We're on the plane. He said, yeah, and he, was, he was saying, he said, I'm going to look across yeah. the aisle, I'm going to see Steve Harris, and I'm going to be going, this isn't real. You know, saying to his tour manager, what are we going to do from here? Anything after this is going to be a disappointment. Yeah, but well, yeah. it's a trouble, of course, when you have that, that level. And Maiden, yeah, yeah. Maiden, again, like Metallica, always did things their way. They've yeah. never compromised and never said, oh, no, actually, what we could do is have a, a more commercial sound on an album. I, mean, I remember Bruce Dickinson once saying that Metallica reached the point of Injustice oh. War where they were ready to take off and they did it with the Black Album. Before the Maiden, Prince, yeah. Pantera, all had that moment when they could have made a big jump. And ne- none of them did it. Yeah. Metallica were the only ones brave enough, which is yeah. Bruce's words, to say we're actually going to go for a commercial sound, even though yeah. it doesn't compromise what we have. It will sound yeah. a little bit yeah. more accessible. Yeah. And Maiden could have done it, but they didn't because that's not what they wanted to do, and they stormed around the world as long as they have. Well, they they have, and they I mean they had their their, their sort of their fallow years, the, the Blaze Bailey years, which is absolutely yes. no disrespect to him whatsoever. He did a fantastic he wasn't ready job for it. No, and I still believe he wasn't ready to make that leap, going from a really good club band, yeah, yeah. Warspain, to suddenly stepping up, fronting one of the biggest bands in the world. He just wasn't ready. But who would have been? Uh, you know. Well, I think they could have possibly put, yeah. made a better choice with Steve Grimmett. Oh right, okay. Uh, because he was used to doing bigger venues, oddly with Green Room in America. Because Green Room in America were quite, quite yeah, they were, weren't they? And they were doing headlining theatres and bigger. So, yeah, so he could have stepped up, and I think his voice would have suited better. Oddly, when Blaze was let go by Maiden to be uh, polite, well, Bruce came back. He had become that man who could front the band. Yes, <laughs> he actually stepped up, and it showed in the way he performed as a solo artist. God, he actually learned a hell of a lot, and he's a lot better now for the experience. Yeah. But it was always, in the same way as Rupert Owens was always going to be filling in until Rob Alford came back to Priest. Yes. It was always yeah. the case that yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Blaze is going to be there until yeah. Bruce came back to Maiden. Yeah. And yeah. I still remember when Bruce left, there was a sort of, oh, okay, yeah, yeah well, whatever, move on. And suddenly when Bruce came back a few years ago, he's back, yes. Yeah. The, the same people who were indifferent to him going were excited at his return. Yeah, no, absolutely. And Maiden have been superb. But, they'd said, but also they'd seen, I think, what happened was, what happened to both teams was, you know, you, you have all that success together and it doesn't matter who you are, you take it, you yeah. start taking it for granted. It be, because it's the new norm. That's yeah. what you're used to. Yeah. So when they're um, and so you know Bruce decides to go oh yeah whatever and then what happened to Maiden and what happened to Bruce was they start playing places they haven't played for years smaller you know and then and and they start they start hearing that what do you mean it's not sold out 
yeah, yeah and yeah. and they that's look at the numbers on the merch and, and they're going not shifted oh, and, and, and initially they can't understand why this is yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of course. but sooner or later they're, they're, you know it, it, it dawns on them that you actually have to accept the fact that it's because you're you know you're minus a member whether you like it or not yeah. well in both cases yeah yeah and absolutely yeah or I you've think got a different backing yeah. band and it's not working well Bruce Dickinson and Steve Harris will never be close friends but I think yeah. they've appreciated that yeah. we respect each other for what we bring to the band we don't need to be close friends well, my, my, my take has always been that what happened was they got, they got to a point where it was literally it was basically you had, you had Bruce or Steve and, mm. and, and basically Bruce is like look I'm sick of working like this I'm sick of working like this under, under your instructions and I want to go and have some freedom and okay fine off you go have your freedom yeah and then what happens is they come back together all those years later and they uh, uh, to fill stadiums and they go do you know what uh, I think you're actually probably right about the way we work like this because yeah, you know you've only got to watch the like um, I'm trying to think which which oh which album was it there was um, two or three albums ago um, Natural Life and Death yes yeah, which I really liked. Which I really liked, and I watched the watched a documentary on that, and um, and you hear and you hear Steve Harris talking about lyrics and melody lines, and saying there's got to be a syllable on every beat, and and the word, and there's got to be a single word on that, and that's how. And I thought, and, you know, as as a inverted commas singer, I was sat there thinking, bloody hell. Really? <laughs> and then Bruce and then Bruce comes up and goes, Yeah, well Steve's always got this thing about that. and he said and then it goes back to Steve and Steve's saying because basically, you know, that means that you know that's what creates a chorus, that's what people hang on to and yeah. sing along. And then and then you go back and then you go back to um, Bruce and he goes, It doesn't matter whether they know what the words are, most of our fans don't speak English. <laughs> and it's, it's brilliant. You just saw them, you yeah, know, but the flip flopping between them. Although the fans don't speak English, they can they still sing every syllable of yeah. every line in every Maiden song. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, yeah, but yeah. Steve has a point, and so do Bruce. Yeah, absolutely. I and mean, they, they needed that time apart. It, I think it's, they did. They I needed that they time came apart back to appreciate appreciating it. and respecting yeah. each other's abilities and what each other brings to the band to make the Maiden whole. Yeah. And thankfully, Bruce has gone through his uh, cancer scare. Yeah, that was amazing. That's, that's just. Well, it's frightening. I mean, yeah. this is what's one of the things that ha- happened. We saw John Law and Ronnie Dio die from cancer. Yeah. Uh, Tony Iommi, hopefully, is um, beating it. Uh, but when you heard that oh, Bruce was actually battling cancer, you thought, is he really going to be well enough to do an album, let alone a tour? Yeah, but he seems to have got through. Well, he's a very, well, he's, yeah, but he's, he's a very very fit guy he to is. start with, you know, which helps. Yeah, but also I, I I mean I was amazed by the um, and I think I've got this right. I, I, was, I listened to an interview with him and um, and he he realised he had this <laughs> and he did a little bit of sort of googling to see what it was. So, right, okay, it could be something. But I'm just going to park it, yeah, and, and I'm not going to do anything. Yeah. I'm going to do the album, and then I'm going to go and see a specialist. And I mean that kind of that kind of focus, and that, kind, that I know I know that deep intake of breath of yours there. I know exactly what you mean. That that really could have been a gamble not worth taking. Well, yeah, but it might have helped me focus as well. On, on something else, I had to concentrate on. I'm going to get this album done, yeah, and really focus and concentrate on that, bringing out the best in him. Because at the back of his mind, might have also been this could be the last album I ever make, yeah, 
Yeah, not necessarily because he was about to, to die, but maybe because he would have been told, sorry, Griffin, after this, your voice won't be there anymore. Yeah, yeah. Thankfully, well, it is. And, and, and again, you know, we come, we come back to that position where I, you know, without, I, I personally think that Book of Souls is one of their best I agree. works. I think it's excellent. And I, it absolutely, it, I mean, it, it blows me away that we are talking about a band who are how many years into their career? 40. And are delivering, you know, it's got to be top five of their best albums ever, yes. without a doubt. But isn't that great? And it's their first ever double album. Yes. And it's got their longest song on it, yes. which is absolutely brilliant. Yes. And goes, is, is made and going prog. And it's wonderful. Absolutely. Absolutely wonderful. And, and then... You just look again coming back. I, I don't know why, but we always seem to come back. You come back, you know, to Metallica and you think, What happened, guys? Well, I think <laughs> where, you know, where, where is the consistency? Where is the the vision and the focus and the single mindedness that Steve Harris has always had has driven Maiden on full on. And I think there is a unity within that band. They're all committed to making an, an album that's as good as it possibly can be. Metallica, you get the feeling that Lars and James, who are the driving forces, yeah. have lost their way and aren't perhaps as interested anymore as they used to be. You'd love to think that if they can get back together with Kirk and Robert, obviously, as well, let's, let's be fair about this, yeah. and actually go in the studio with a single minded determination, they can still make a killer album. You yes. still hope they work, and every time there's a metallic album, you hope this is the one that's going to prove it. But it's been now what, over a quarter of a century since their last really strong album. Is yeah. it too late? I yeah. don't know. It, 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 I hope not. I'd love to think that Maiden can still deliver. Not Maiden, Metallica. Yeah. We know can. Oh, yeah, Metallica yeah, we do. can still deliver. I think there's something deep inside them. Maybe they need to kick up the arse. Maybe they do need a producer like an Andy Sneed. Yeah. Who's going to actually say, you can actually do a lot better. This isn't good enough. Well, this is it. I mean, and the thing is, you look back as well, I guess. You, you look back on, like, you know, the making of the Black Album and everything and, 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 and why that sounds so good and all the rest of it. And, and, you know, is that they were up against a producer who said, who said things like, why don't you try and play that in that key? Yeah. Why don't you do that? Exactly. And would turn around to Kirk Hammond and say, you need to go home and write some solos because these aren't good enough to yeah, record absolutely and what, and, you know, yeah. it's actually going to say you know what you're better than this and you really want to be represented by this because it's just not up to the standard it's not up to the standard you want I want as a fact talk to this. Yeah. so go away and come up with something a lot better or just don't bother anymore yeah. do you know what if I was Rick Rubin the first thing I'd do is say right okay here is ten contemporary metal thrash solid hard releases go and listen to all of you just put these on rotate go and listen to these and then we'll come back in two months and then we'll have another conversation but you need to get you, you know you, you, you know you can't just you've got to decide do you want to make an album do you really want to make a killer album or you just want to make an album because there are so many people relying on you for their life. Well, absolutely, that's it. I mean, I think, I think, with the greatest of respect to everybody listening, what they, what they don't realise is that is that that space that you get in when you're that big, where so many people take a wage from what you do. That that's how you end up being surrounded by yes people because no one's going to say no. Of course, because yes means work for everybody, and no means no work. Yes means continuity. 
Yeah. And no means the end, maybe. And then what are you going to do? You're right. There are too many people. It's not it's because they're a huge band and a huge organisation. They inevitably going to be a lot of people around them who make the living from Metallica. Yeah. Or make the living from maybe any other big band. And it's not in their best interest to say, oh, I'll tell you what. Um, yeah, why don't you take Paul's going on tour for six months. Yeah. Why don't you just stop for six months or you know, six years? Yeah. But the, the, the problem Metallica has now got is that they've been stuck in a rut for so long that they have to actively get out of it. And I'm not so sure they've got what it takes in terms of the people around them to kick them out of that rut. Yes. They have to make the choice themselves. Yeah, and I also, I also think that um, there is that kind of... It, it's... it's it's a, it's a band that is well as you get bigger it's now it's a committee isn't it you know it, well yes it, well it's still yeah. Darcy James will call the shots they always call the shots it's their band yeah. I mean Robert isn't the hard hand but he is the new guy Kirk I think has been there so long he's got used to being the third tier the third string on the boat yeah and he accepts that that's, that's what he loves about it so let's see fingers crossed they do come up with the album that's going to have all your saying thank god they proved their point otherwise it's going to be a case you know what their great days really are long long gone yeah and, and again as like I said I mean I, I, I was when I was I was listening to Book of Souls recently, and I was just thinking, you know, this is this is ridiculous. Yeah. This is absolutely ridiculous. You are how far into your career, and these are just this is just a, an essential collection of songs. Absolutely, Priest have been doing it as well. The older bands have all done it apart from the Tanaka. There's a one back. I mean, even Sabbath the 13. 13 was a good album. Not saying it was a great album. Yeah, no, I, 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 I bought it. I bought it. I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah, even they can do it. So Metallica, the one band who seem incapable of doing it. Well, yeah, but you know who uh, you know produced Sabbath. Rick Rubin. Rick Rubin, yeah. yeah. Uh, although, from what I gather, Ozzy wasn't exactly a big fan of his. Oh, really? I don't know. I heard rumours that Ozzy wasn't a big fan of uh, Rick Rubin's yeah. way of doing it. But it, it wasn't a great album, certainly, but it was good. Yeah. yeah. And uh, showed that Sabbath still, well, I only still have some riffs, and they can still come up with songs. So people are like, OK, whether or not they'll carry on doing any of that, um, those 13 songs live on the current tour, I don't think they do. No, I think... I think I've seen the one set list I saw that there was, I think there was um, God is Dead. God is Dead is actually the only one, That's, isn't it, really? Yeah. But then what people want from Sabbath on this farewell tour is the classics. The, classics. the old stuff from the 70s. They don't yeah. really want anything from 13. Yeah, no, exactly. Bands are doing that. that. That's fair enough. But um, it's going to be a, a strange time when Sabbath finally say goodbye. Yeah. yeah. I still love to see them do one number. I, you know what? I think I think there's a there's such a. Um, I, it, it, I I've never seen you know a, a drummer being involved with that or not cause so much um, consternation. Well, because you know. it's the four again, absolutely, yeah, it comes back to the four. 
Yeah. And good though, Tommy Clinton says he's an excellent drummer. I don't think Bill can do anything personally. I mean, for all the fact Bill keeps saying, yes, yes, I can go, I can tour. Okay, but I tell you what, I, I you prove it. You go out, do one fuck show in LA and do a full set of Sabbath songs, and then say, see, I can do it. Yeah. I'm not sure he's well enough to do it, but I'd love to see Sabbath finish in Birmingham. The last ever show should be in Birmingham. Yeah. And the last number they ever do should be with Bill Ward. Yes. But it's living in the dream world because it's not going to happen. <laughs> no, it's not. And Sharon's going to make sure of that. Um, I think in a way it's not just her. She's well, no, I think, I think Bill, Bill Ward has, has made sure. Bill Ward's not done himself any favours. There are other managers in the world as well. Sharon Osborne doesn't call all the shots all the time in the Sabbath camp. She certainly takes has a, a massive input and influence, but it's not just her. So she gets the blame for everything. I think in this case it's unfair. Right, okay. Well, yeah. what her personal opinion is, I, I, I think probably is Sabbath are better off without um, Bill Ward. But I don't think, if, if the other people involved said, no, no, we want Bill Ward back, I think she probably said, okay. Do it's not think, just her. Yeah. And it's not fair to keep blaming her for everything that goes well, wrong. I, to be, well, no, I'll take that on board. And I th- but I, my, my, my take on it, obviously, as an outsider, has always been, right from the outset, that... Um, Sabbath were very respectful <coughs> of what they said about Bill yeah. um, at the time and they remained respectful but then he kept gnawing at that bone of oh, unsignable no, contract and, and, he, and he, he, he kept pushing it and then as time moved on it, you know, Ozzy basically kept saying more and more about how unfit I think it he got was. to a point where they got sick and tired of that, yes. coming yeah. out and basically making them look like the bad guys. Yeah, and then suddenly, uh, you know what? Let, let's be honest about it. He's not fit enough. Yeah, that, I think suddenly that was a, what, what came out because they were fed up with being seen as these evil bastards who yeah. ganged up and poor Bill Ward. Yeah, yeah, no, I completely agree. I completely but it agree. would be a nice way to finish with one song from you know Bill Ward on stage with them. But it just ain't going to happen. We all no, know that. No, it I just don't. isn't in the cards on, on the stars or whatever. But it's, it's sad, but no. it's it's funnily enough. It's but it, it's kind of that um, for different reasons. It's that it's that whole sort of um, uh, rock and roll hall of fame thing again. Isn't <laughs> yeah. it? You know, it does, doesn't it? It's like right, who's in, who's out, who's playing, who's not. Um, and it, yeah, and funnily enough. Um, I um, I read another interview with Bill Ward where he was talking about he was talking about the heaven and hell thing, mm. and he was given a, he was he, he was given like two weeks to work on songs, mm. and 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 the rest of them came back and he was like, well, I'm still working on them, I'm still not happy, and they were like, Bill, we need to go to the fucking studio at some point, and and um, and they and I think they brought um, they brought Carmi come on. Uh, Apathy, please. Sorry, Vinny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they brought him back. Yeah. And um, and uh, but before they did, and, and, and I was reading the interview, and Bill and Bill said like, you know, and it, but they were they were trying to push me into it, and I was like, but that's not the way I work, man. And then I was offered a contract, and it was unsignable, and I was thinking, hang on, this is all starting to ring a bell. Yeah, this is that before. I was yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I, yeah, but you know, it is what it is. It just strikes me as a little bit, a little bit of a. 
um, uh, a little bit of an old hippie. He'd, he'd love to be able to do it. He probably I does think he can do it. Oh, I'm sure in his mind he can, but I just think the proof is there. Just go out and do it. Yeah. Put together your own band, do a club show in LA, play a full-on Black Sabbath set, and at the end of it, and put it back in their court. They are. I told you I'd do it, but he hasn't done that. So yeah. it just really brings up the fact that you can't do it, can you? <laughs> because yeah. if you really could, you would be doing it. And there's no shame in not being able to do it. It's not right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, play at that intensity, Sabbath on, on the tour, yeah. demands you really have to be fit. Well, I think as well that they did They did try and, uh, and they tried everything to make it work, didn't they? After yeah. the sort of like, well, look, look, you know, you'll come out and you play. Yeah, no, no, no. No, no, no. You do six songs, yeah. you do eight songs, whatever, and then you go and sit yeah. back and let someone else take over. But he wouldn't do that. And as things have turned out, does that, is any, I think yeah, people would love to see Sabbath finish with the four of them. But it's Aussie, it's Giza, it's Tony, and people are happy with that. And the gigs are selling out. And, they, and there's, there's plenty, there's plenty of people out there saying, "Well, oh, like no Boy Ward, there's no Black Sabbath, I'm not interested." Blah, blah. But quite simply put, those people aren't fill it selling out the stadiums. No, someone's selling out gigs everywhere. And yeah, you'd love to see the Sabbath. Yeah, no, I don't think we ever will. No, and we think we have to accept that Sabbath will finish without Bill Ward. Yeah, but he will never be forgotten. He'll always be a crucial yeah, part absolutely. of what made that band so great. Yeah, absolutely. Now, um, go, moving to your um, your circumstances, of course, you've my circumstances. Your circumstances. <laughs> no, well, you've you've moved on from um, from your role. Yes, that where you were at um, previously is yes. Know, I mean, obviously that was uh, like a little while ago now. Um, and so you're just you're just freelancing, yes. doing all sorts of bits and pieces yes. for people all over the place. That is correct. Right. Okay. That's what I'm doing. Yeah. Right. So anybody listening to this could um, can get can get. Uh, Malcolm yeah. Dome to write for them obviously oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah obviously decent rates ok yeah. not mates rates so no, uh, I, I freelance a lot of different magazines do a lot of sleep notes working uh, on various things I didn't realise you were doing sleep notes right ok so <laughs> really ok lay it on me well mate I might have to get you to do the um, the Acid Rain album yes believe it or not there's going to be another one ok right. um, yeah hard luck <laughs> oh no! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I know, yeah. Um, so, I'm doing um, the Speed Kill Seven, by the way. Are you doing the yes. Speed Kill Seven? Yes. There you go, listeners. You heard it here first. So, uh, yeah. Well, it's funny you, you mentioned that earlier. Speed Kill Seven, of course. Yes. Featuring um, one of the, U- the yeah one of the UK's premier fresh pants. Well, you were on the you were on the previous Speed Kills, weren't you? Yeah, we were on. Um, I, in fact, I think we are on two or possibly even three. Speed kills <laughs> I know. Well, I think there's a, there's, the there's, veterans. The, yeah, there's a, there's a song. There's there's a song from Moschkinstein and one. Yeah, I know Moschkinstein was on one. I didn't really um, and, and I think there's a song from. Um, I think it's a song from Obnoxious Someone and there is definitely a song from our calamitous Worst of Acid Rain compilation on the next one because MFM were trying anything to try and you know flog that um, so you're um, the veterans the perennials that's it yeah so we are we, are, we return we are we, yeah so it, it's kind of yeah it's it basically this is what happens if you dig your band up after 25 years do you know what I mean people people offer you jobs like this saying oh go on you can be on it if you want good idea 
Well, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it, well, funnily enough, I had, um, I found out about this on a podcast interview that I did with Joel. Joel Death. Yes, Joel Death or Diath or, I don't know, what, yeah, whatever it is, Diath. Um, so, um, yeah, he, um, he, we, I actually found out halfway through, I was doing a podcast interview with him and he was like, um, and he, he either, like, he sort of mouthed at me during it. Like, he's, oh yeah, we're going to be getting this, we're going to be getting this back together. And he's just like, just like mouthing the words to me. And I was like, really? Oh, you know, can we be on it? He's like, yeah, yeah, I want you on it. Like, Brilliant. Great. So, um, I, well, absolutely. Well, there you go. There you go. There's, there's the, that's the, um, that's the, that's the line note. Yeah. That's the big, that's the big line. Yeah, it wouldn't be speed kills without acid rain. Yeah. Um, well, um, Wow, I didn't realise you were doing that. So, what, yeah. um, who else you do, have you been doing sleeve notes for? Well, uh, Universal Records, Rock Candy Records, lots of noise reissues, which are coming out soon. Oh, really? Uh, didn't know anything about those? Loads of creative stuff is coming out, Halloween stuff is coming oh, out, all, uh, what, Sinner, all uh, Running Wild. So, it's all yeah, going to be remasters? Yeah, yeah. Soviet Frost is coming out. The big one, Voivod. Any um, remastered Voivod? Good question. I don't know about Voivod. I would have thought uh, so. I would have Yes, but Away so. will do all this, would be doing the sleeve. Oh, yeah, really. he should be. Yeah. But Voivod should be on there, yes. Absolutely. Yeah, but I, I know, but there's been there's been real problems with trying to get them, trying to get those remastered and re-released for years. Oh, I know. Um, but it'd be great to see them come back out because there's so, so many good stuff there. Well, I, I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, we, we were talking about, like, Clutches of three albums. Yeah. You've got um, Killing Technology, Dimension Hatros, Nothing Face. Mm. I mean, they are three absolutely yes. phenomenal releases. Yes. Angel Rat, I wasn't a massive fan of, but then they came back with the Outer Limits after that, which is just. It's fantastic. Yes, wonderful Major album. label, wonderful, wonderful MCA, album. and with um, Jack Luminous on the mechanic MCA. Yeah, yeah, seventeen-minute track on it. It was brilliant. And of course, they went out on tour, supported by Faith No More and Soundgarden. Yes, they did. You're right. Yes, it was Boys Love Faith No More Soundgarden. You're right. It was. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they made so many great, really, really strong albums, and uh, yeah, it'd be a shame. Well, yeah, let's hope so. Well, that sounds awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to all those releases. Those, those re-releases. All good stuff. Isn't it just well? Look, it, it's it's an absolute pleasure. Um, we've we've done yet another hour, I think. Yes, excellent. Um, yes, oh good lord, we've gone, we have gone on a bit. Um, so um, nothing wrong there. Yeah, nothing surprising. Uh, so look, it's really it's always a pleasure catching up. We'll do it again, again, and for next year. Indeed, yes, great. Mate. Yeah, twenty seventeen. When, um, when what's the name comes out? Speak Your Sevens out. Well, Speak Your Sevens will be out. We'll have the new Metallica album out. We can have we can have, we can have a good old chat about all of yeah, that. Yeah, we can talk about all of that. What's gone right or wrong with them? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Right. Great. All right. Thanks a lot. And there you have uh, mine and Malcolm's chat. Um, and uh, this is bringing us uh, rapidly towards the end of the podcast. Coming up to nearly three hours. So fucking hell, you know, you've had enough, basically. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm, Malcolm, he, he's he's such a top guy. I, he, he reminds me of sort of, um, I don't I think of him as sort of the Rob Halford of um, of metal journalists. Um, not from a sexual point of view. Uh, Malcolm's not gay, as far as I know. I don't think he is. Um, but uh, it's ju- just the fact that it, he just goes on and on, and um, is he's just solid as a rock, you know. And and his work is prolific. Um, he's in demand, well and truly. Um, I mean, that was about the fifth attempt we did to actually sit down and have a chat. 
um, because, like I said, he's in, he's in demand. Um, and I have to say, I'm going to share with you some un, some from behind the scenes shit here. When I uploaded the file from my PC of our interview, it was corrupt, and basically, it was the first 15 seconds of our interview over and over and over again. And I absolutely shat my pants. I don't mind telling you. So I scrambled around, I found the USB stick where I always back interviews up to, and I thought, well, if this file's corrupt as well, and honestly, my mind was racing, I was thinking, Jesus, what am I going to do? So I got the file from my old USB, from my USB stick where I backed them up, um, put it onto the, uh, put it onto my PC, imported it, and bingo, the interview was there. Oh, you have no idea, that was a real heart-in-the-mouth moment. So I'd just like to point out there, that whilst I might take the piss and have a bit of a giggle as regards, um, uh, you know, not not being completely organised and all the rest of it, check that shit out, yo. Yeah? Backed it up a treat. So, uh, yeah, just fucking bear that in mind in the future. Um, so, anyway, look, it's uh, we're winding down now. Uh, it's, it is the end of the podcast. I'm not going to do the song uh, from last month. A few people liked it. Some didn't. Who gives a fuck? Um... But, uh, you know, look, it just remains for me to say thank you very much. Please keep spreading the word of Talking Bollocks. Get uh, get anybody's uh, phone off them, tablet, whatever, and uh, and subscribe them if they've got a podcast app on there. If they haven't, while they're out the room, download a podcast app, subscribe it. Fuck it. Don't even tell them. Be brilliant. Um, also, if you know it, you know if that's if that's your friend's iPad or anything, use it as um use it as a, a coffee tray or something like that. Something fucking useful. Um, and uh, and let's not forget. I haven't, I haven't mentioned this for a while, but when you're at a gig, let's out a let's have a bollocks, bollocks back, talking bollocks. Come on, you know. Right, had a bit of a fuck up there. Um, well, not a fuck up, but the um, the laptop froze. So anyway. Um, yeah, uh, hopefully this time next week, um, uh, Acid Rain will have actually played the festival instead of uh, setting off to a festival and coming home with £800 worth of uh, costs and nothing coming in. Yeah, that's right, that's how much we lost on that fucking festival. What? Say what? 800 quid. Eight, it feels like there should be a fucking government grant that we can, you know, somehow apply for or something like that. Maybe not. Um so anyway, look, once again, thank you very much. Really do appreciate all of you, all of you that listen, every single one of you that uh, has got their ears wrapped around this right now. Thank you very much. It is, It really is, it consistently amazes me that anybody is interested in listening to this stuff. Okay, I'm clearly um, suffering from technical difficulties this time because uh, fucking laptop just froze again. Um, so I'm going to fuck off as soon as I can before this whole thing just goes down the fucking tubes. Um... So, the song this uh, this month is a rare one. It is a song by The Beyond um, called Red Sea that is from their Manic Sound Panic EP um, that, as you'll all know, isn't available anywhere and I converted it from, from, from cassette to, to MP3. So this is, this is a recording on cassette from the vinyl original release and then converted to MP3. Um, so it's a little bit of a, a treat for y'all. So anyway, look, it's been, uh, it's been awesome. It's been fun. And uh, let's do it again. Hey, fuck it. Let's do it again this time next month. Yeah? You up for that? Cool. Okay. Red Sea. The Beyond. See you next month. Adios. Adios. <laughs>